usually does. Yeah, we get the Wait. usuals. We're being held in suspense. I mean, we're always held in suspense. That's our that's our best thing we can do. Hey, look at that. We got the intro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. My name is Brad, otherwise known as Brad Sfer, and I'm joined by Alex, who is also known as Alex Lockplane, and we have another fucking set to talk about because it's fucking bullshit, and this is so fucking stupid. I'm so tired of talking about spoilers. Please end my life. <laughs> like, can we just have... I uh, I also just uh, love the fact that they sent the fucking tink- Pinkertons out, right? Yeah. To get this and then, guy. And we, last week, was it last week or like the week before, whatever? We were like, oh, yeah, we don't want to talk about it because, you know, you it, it's spoilers for people. Maybe you, like, take the wind out of people's so <laughs> No one got a spoiler. Like, Mothership just dropped it all at once yeah, in, like, a big like, tweet thread. Like, three days later, they just dropped it on Twitter. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Literally, like, I, I jokingly said, like, but I like this set should have been called Afterthought. Like, not aftermath. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, here's some characters we had left and some places. So, like, here's some guards, right? We'll dump them on Twitter. Good luck. Oh, by the way, they're standard legal. Like, yeah, I, this, this is a very weird set. I, we already talked about this set being kind of weird even when it was announced and then that we got more information. Because, like, first we saw it and we're like, huh, aftermath. So, we're getting, like, a double set, kind of like the Midnight Hunt kind of situation. Yeah, That's kind of no. cool. And then, then as we got closer, they're like, by the way, it's like a 50-card set. It's a mini set. And we're like, okay. I I guess this is just replacing the uh, the theme boosters, so to speak. Yeah, it's essentially like also that. Also, just like so or whatever. much. Or whatever. What are those called? What are those called? Are they theme okay. boosters? Like the, yeah, yeah, the, the... Like, where the angel is from and shit? Like yeah. the Caldime stuff? Yeah, okay. But, but even just like most of these, a lot of these cards don't have flavor text. Or the flavor text is like the most generic shit ever. So, like, apparently, like, a lot of Planeswalkers lost their spark, if not all or something. Pretty much all of them. And so then there's now, Chandra. like, a weird portal thing for regular yeah. people. Okay. Who so you see now. Chandra and Nissa holding hands. Oh, cute. Nissa, by the way, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Nissa, Nahiri, like, Nahiri sword hands <clears throat> are off. Um, a card called Open the Way. Brad, Open the Way to Where? <laughs> Isn't this supposed to be a story thing? Open the way to where? <laughs> like, uh, to the meditation realm where Bowles is coming back. It could have said in the Ooh, fucking flavor text. Oh, no, 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 no. What if I have a really cool way to like to like revive this story to be really fucking cool? What if? Hear me out. All I sparks know went to Bolas. Yeah. In the meditation realm, I know that technically Bolas did lose his spark, right? In the meditation yeah. realm. Okay. What if? When he comes out of, like, he, he gets broken out of the meditation room or whatever, whatever, and, like, by him coming in contact with the real world once again, he actually regains his spark and is the only person in Some the entire sort of, like, multiverse ripple with the spark. effect of the Elder Spell or something that, like, yeah. gave him, like... Like, he's the only one with a spark now, and then, like, he's back as, like, the big bad or some shit. Like, I think that'd be it. I would be okay with him coming back as the villain in that type of sense. I'll be honest, Brad. At this point, anything's better than, like, the random bullshit we're getting. Like, it's... Jesus Christ. It's so all over the place. Do you think we're going to get, as we approach, you know, after after Aftermath is done, what's the next set? Is it Eldraine? Um, Eldraine. Okay. So we're not getting a summer set? No, it's Eldraine is the summer set, I believe. No, 
because then because Eldrin is the fall set. But isn't this? There's always a big gap around the summer, so I don't know if this sort of is because you usually well, have a January release. Yeah, but, I think it's no, like a January like release. No, but like usually, usually you release. get like a usually you get like a like the core sets would always come out like in the summer though. I thought it always came out around May. I thought it was like June, and then like July, August, and then September were our, was our three month gap. Hold up, Magic twenty twenty three sets. I'm sure if I go to the wiki, wait, and because it already puts MTG wiki sets. I'm just like, like this whole aftermath thing. It's so confusing. oh yeah, because look, so co- like okay, Corset twenty 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 one came out in uh, July of twenty twenty. For example, was there a twenty twenty two Corset? We're gonna get. Wilds of Eldraine and Lost Caverns of Ixalan are still this year. So then together with March of no. the Machines... No, it's not. And All Will Be One... Oh, according to the wiki it is. It says 2023 it, no, Wilds of Eldraine, 2023 Lost Caverns of Ixalan. And that would give us... Ixalan's supposed to be the the January set. Is it? It's supposed to be the winter set. That's what it said on the thing. Um, Lost Caverns of... Ixalan release date. It says quarter four of twenty twenty three, so that should yeah. be yeah, that's that's considered like yeah, fiscal quarter. That that's that's the So this year would be all will be one, but it's, of the but machine, it's Wilds of Eldrain, Still releasing in twenty twenty four. That's what I'm is saying. It releasing in twenty twenty four? But why? It's that's what fourth qu- quarter the fiscal, of twenty twenty three. Yeah, fiscal fiscal year twenty twenty three is fourth quarter is beginning of 2024 sorry i don't speak corporate <laughs> if it says this fourth one, quarter of yeah. 2023 how is that next year <laughs> um it was okay no hold on yeah quarter four is the fourth is quarter for which says it runs from october 1st to december 31st Dude, I swear I saw them say it was the winter set. There is no fucking way, absolutely no way that we get. It does, doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute in my brain. Why? Because we, we would have to get an October set or a September set if they want to push it back a little earlier, and then a December set. It doesn't I make we sense. We get like a September <clears> set <throat> and a November set or something. There's usually a pretty large gap around summer. So, I'm not but then we'd get a February set or a late January set. The next year? Like, last year we got Streets of New Capenna in May. And then Dominaria United didn't drop until September. So there was a huge gap around summer, which is usually the case. Yeah, but like... Dude, I wish they'd bring back core sets. I guess guess that's the whole point of this. I I want something like a nice stopgap in the middle of the summer. And only like a couple, maybe three-month gap... Like later, I, always, on. I, always I don't know. I dislike don't like the... the summer gap too. Like I agree. Like it's it always feels like you get pelted with sets throughout the year, and then in the summer you get like nothing. Yeah, and then so like, that's when you have like the stagnation of like. Do you think, Alex? They get stagnation around summer when people have the most free time. <laughs> yeah. Do you think going back to Pioneer's horrible time of uh, the the uh, combo thing mm-hmm. for like nine months, right? If we had a... No, that was 2020, right? No idea. Yeah, 2020, because Theros came out in 2020, right? 
Wasn't it 2019? Wasn't it end of 2019? Was it 2019? I think it was the last set of 2019. Damn, did we start this in 2019? August of 2019? That's when we started the podcast then, because that's when the bands happened. Yeah, but about yeah. after. Yeah. 2019. It was the end of the year. I don't know. Bookkeeping. I, I Pioneer like... Inverter ban. We already no, have, August 4th, like... 2020. No, it was 2020. Because yeah, Theros yeah, was out for um, a while. I think the next set was out before. No, Theros. Yeah, Theros Ikoria was. Came Theros came Theros. out in January or February of 2020. No, oh. because I remember it was after Ikoria that Inverter got banned. Because I remember people playing Yorion Inverter, which was just the worst idea for a deck I've ever heard in my life. So, like, I still remember that. I'm playing against that deck, and it's like, wow, this is so much worse than regular Inverter. If people kept doing this, we wouldn't have to ban it. <laughs> Well, then my my idea of like, hey, would this be fixed or whatever? If, uh, yeah, because we had um, we had Icoria come out in April, and then we had well, frankly, uh, if we wanted a bit of a shakeup around summer with aftermath would have been perfect for that. If this dropped like in two months. Instead and of also, so close after the yeah, and also set. wasn't a garbage set. So we'll we'll talk about the cards. It's a fifty card set. So obviously we weren't going to do a top ten. But frankly, I don't know if I could have made a top five. <laughs> I could make a top one. I mean, I could have probably made a top five. There's a couple of okay cards in here, uh, but the set is really weird. Um, it reads like Commander Legends three. Like there's just a, a bunch bit. of cards in here. Um, uh, actually, let let's just get started. Talk about cards. Uh, we've got the magic. Well, uh, real, real quick, I want you to say what you're saying to me before we start recording. You were saying something about how like long the cards are in like terms of text. Oh, yeah. The the what did I say exactly? Like, there, there's just walls of text on all these fucking cards. They do a billion things. Um, they don't have room for flavor text. Yeah, they don't have room for flavor text. Like. All right, so we have Tazri, stalwart survivor, but there's no room to say anything about Tazri. But I, I just want to read this out as perhaps the most egregious card in this set that reads the most like a what-the-fuck-were-they-even-thinking card. Um, so afterwards, we'll go in the order that they're in the card image gallery. But um, Tazri, stalwart survivor, two and a white for a 3-3. Three, three. For a legendary human warrior. Each creature you control has tap. Add one mana of any color of this creature's colors. Spend this mana only to activate an ability of a creature. Activate only if this creature has another activated ability. Then it has five colors, Wooburg and tap. Mill five cards. Put all creatures with activated abilities that aren't mana abilities from among the mil milled cards into your hand. It's a lot what of words fuck? for a card that doesn't do much. Oh yeah, no, this card doesn't do anything. Like this is like the Goldberg. It doesn't machine even add of... it to your battlefield. It just it adds to like your hand. This is like the Goldberg machine of cards. Like it, you do a billion things and jump through a hundred hoops when building your deck, and you end up like drawing two cards. Like, for five mana. Yeah. And you might probably got like two mana off your creature. So like you have an activated ability that is about a divination. 
this is just like a you you might as well just play like fucking uh what's it called um golos like instead that would just that that's like the same I idea like, i feel like at this point i would rather play a three mana three three vanilla so i can't make the mistake of doing other things than attacking with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i uh when you were saying that a lot of these cards don't have flavor text um Oddly enough, the ones that have the most flavor text, while also have a lot of most of them having the most text in general, are the multicolored cards. Like, um, I would say about half, maybe more than half, have flavor text. And we'll talk about this one a little bit later because this is my favorite card of the set. It's Obnixilis. I love his flavor text because, Alex, we need this as a fucking story. It says, Stranded on New Capenna without a spark, he faced five families out for blood. Like, can we get that as yeah, can a, can we, we go get back that to new story? That's like, fucking sick. Obnixilis just like just fucking no, I don't give soloing. A shit about going back to Capenna, but could we just get this as like a one-off story just for fun? Yeah, it's so um, good. Like that. Oh like, yeah. A lot I also of these, remember like, what I said. What you said with like too many cards, no flavor text. But most of the flavor text that is on these cards is just like shit's broken. We gotta rebuild it. Like they're so little going on in this set it, it really feels like an afterthought we're just uh copper code vanguard i suppose we can start talking about the cards unless you have something else you want um, to add, you i have, seem to have a revelation. I, have, I have one thing i want to say so alex we we've been kind of relating this era of uh, of uh, magic like this story this leading up to this uh you know, March of the Machines and things like that. We've been relating this a lot to Marvel and Infinity War and Endgame, like this huge culmination, like this big battle, right? And I think that's incredibly justified and it works. I just realized that they, they're doing more of the same shit. The loss of the Planeswalkers, like of their sparks, and this is just the blip from Marvel, like that middle period between, uh, you know, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where it's like that five-year gap that like everything at, like where people oh, are gone yeah. and then everything after, like people just kind of go, eh, yeah, like that happened and they don't really stay long enough to discuss the ramifications of that because like they, they glance over it a little bit here and there and then like in like the shows and stuff. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to alienate anyone that doesn't like Marvel, but basically long story short, in Infinity War, Thanos snaps and deletes half of the half half a life in the universe. And then they fast forward five years, and there is a period in which they talk about a little bit during those five years. They refer to as the blip, where people don't they're gone. Um, like they're just they in like the the ramifications of that, like the government, like governments and like social security and just like the identification and like all these things where like people are like gone all of a sudden. And that really just would drastically change the entire way a world would work. And then they all come back suddenly. And then the, the ramifications are even ramped up even more. Marvel never spent enough time to really go over what that meant and what that really like had to do with anything. And I'm kind of worried that they're going to do the same thing here in the story for MTG. Where it's like all the planeswalkers lost their sparks. There's this cool thing of like Obnixilis, like needing to like take on all the families of New Capenna. And I'm sure there's other flavor texts in this set that can kind of like hint towards things of like 
this should open up all these windows and like doors and shit to the ramifications of like, holy shit, there's no spark anymore. This should change everything completely. And I feel like no. they're going to do some bullshit where it's like, it doesn't, it don't matter. It just, to, it to it be don't fair, planeswalkers are honestly not the most, they're not like Marvel superheroes where I feel like it's kind of all about them. Where like, if you look at like mm. Ravnica, it's like, if there's no planeswalkers around, well, there's plenty going on on Ravnica. And because planeswalkers, since yeah. the Sundering... Is it the Sundering? The Mending. All the way around. The Mending. The aren't mending. gods anymore, right? They can't do, like, what Bolas did and just arrive on Amonkhet and just in a matter of two days, like, flip the whole plane on its head. Like, they're not that powerful anymore. So they don't... They're often mm -hmm. just, like, above average... Right, I feel like there's plenty of legendary creatures in Magic Story that could beat the shit out of most planeswalkers. So, like, they don't have that. It doesn't have that big of an impact. But in a game that is its story mm. is centered on planeswalkers, you at least hope that they do actually, you know, spend well, some attention on it. But, you're supposed to be one. Are are are? Yeah. Now here's true. the question: Are we planeswalkers anymore? I guess not. I guess we have. I guess we have so to like, ask this to open the way to wherever. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Let's just let's get yeah. the cards. This is like it's a, it's a really weird set. It's it's I, I hope they never do it again for both they, gameplay and story. Yeah, or they significantly improve, or they it. execute it is, in a in a better way. Yeah, this set's hot garbage for the most part, but there's some cool cards in there. So uh, start with Copper Code Vanguard. One and a white for a human soldier, 2-2. Two, two. Each other human you control gets plus one, plus zero, and has ward one. So just a pretty decent lord kind of effect in mono-white. For example, it makes Stalia even more obnoxious to kill. So that helps. Now your fatal push like costs three mana to kill her. So in that way, this card's actually pretty decent. You know, provides immediate value. I don't know if you want to run this. I could see this as like a one of two of three off. Like, I don't think it's like, it's not as impactful as like a Thalia's lieutenant can be. Um, but it is fairly strong. But I mean, here I just want to point out the stupid flavor text and then I will stop talking about this. It right. was a time for rebuilding, but first Ikoria's wrecked cities had to be cleared of monsters. So on Ikoria, humans keep fighting monsters. I'm very didn't, glad didn't I got the that end of the story. <laughs> Didn't the end of the story of Ikoria, like, say they were just cool now? Isn't that what happened? Am I, 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 am I misremembering? I, I don't know, but the thing is, like, it says, like, after Ikoria settles again, humans are fighting monsters again. I'm like, wow, I'm very glad I got that update. I hope I get a card on Innistrad that's going to tell me that they're still zombies, because I was worried they were gone. Like... <laughs> Okay, I, I might I may have a hot take about this card though, Alex. Um This might be Pioneer's closest thing to a drug skull captain for humans. What's drug skull captain again? That's the spirits get hexproof that modern has. Two oh, two for three, mean... plus one in hexproof. I mean, hexproof in war two is a hell of a difference though, but Well, isn't it ward one? It's Ward oh, one. one. Yeah, Ward one and Hexproof is now, yikes. I, I agree. And I think it's a good thing it's not Hexproof because oh, like, do you want Drug Skull Captain in no, the fucking form or anything like that? I don't want people to if go, you're a go into double player, Drug Skull Captain and then I just 
can't do anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, because you're in Grixis. Your sweepers are bad. Yay. Well, specifically because they're all sweepers? five mana, they can't spell queller it, which is actually pretty funny. Like, that's come up before, like, plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, of course, it's not a one-to-one ratio, right? It's not a, that comparison. Mm-hmm. It is cheaper, which I think is nice. Um, it is a pseudo-lord in the sense it's plus one, plus oh. Um, and ward one, I don't think you can scoff at it, especially in a in an environment in which Pioneer has for the last year or so and still kind of is. I mean, yes, we have, you know, sweepers in blue light control, of course. But for the most part, every other deck like Rakdos and anything that wants to just kind of fair game you, that's kind of the idea of like fatal push and like, you know, like one for one removal, things like that. And I think this does go a pretty long way in making them stumble. Um, I'd have to see how the curve works. If Mono White's good, um, which I still think it's a pretty good deck, uh, Rakdos decks have been on quite a few ritual suits recently. Uh, This already Mm -hmm. picked up when we had the PT and showed out like three in his Rakdos sideboard because it turns out if you can wipe the board of everything but shoulder it, you're probably in a really good state. Yeah. Um, so that's such an underrated card, by the way. Ritual said I've always like looked at like my oh, playset or my my several playsets. I've been like, I think you're good enough in often cases. I just never put him the board. Oh, so I'm played, glad to I've see it, it again play. recently. It, it's currently it's my sweeper of choice main deck, just because I want I like the speed. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, like, so this card is like, I think you mainly just want it for the power boost. I think it's good to have more lords mm-hmm. um, in your deck. Again, it, it can stack really awkwardly with Thalia, because even though it's not as good when you get to your sweepers, or like when you get to the point of the sweepers, the first few turns, like just having these awkward cards <clears throat> that make these sweepers worse... I mean, that make the spot removal worse means your opponent just ends up taking a bit more damage until they get to their sweepers. And that then makes it easier that, like, your opponent plays a sweeper, you play Adeline, Animate Mermutavolt attack. And, like, if your opponent has taken, like, more chip damage up until that point, then that three, four points of damage could just make or break Mm -hmm. the game post-sweeper. So I do like it for that. I can also imagine... But I mean, this was this would have been very good if we still had Luris, I think, because we had the Ors of or, uh, Ors of Humans deck that ran whatever the two mana enchantment is from Kaldheim, uh, that mm. gave your humans plus one Rally plus one, ranks. and this card's just way better because it's an actual creature that can attack. Um, so it would have been good there, but now I could I could see it show up. Um, people, Mono White has some flex slots in sense of like that's often where you find. Brave or Ossification or Invasion of Gobakal now. And if you just want to be as aggressive as can be, you might run Discard in that slot instead. Um, well, I mean... Well, I'm trying to think. My number three from last set, the white card, it gets Hexproof Indestructible for all your shit, right? Mm-hmm. Was that it was? Or was it protection? So, no, like, I, I mean, mean, playing, um, like... Which one do you mean? You mean Surge of Salvation or Invasion of Gobagon? No, Surge of Salvation. Oh, yeah, no, that gives Hexproof and it prevents damage. Ah, uh, okay. Is there a one-mana spell that, like, a protection spell that just blanket indestructible? No, that's... Or are they all two-mana? Two mana? That's Selfless Barrier to Rogue Intervention, that sort of thing. 
at least blanket your whole team. There's obviously yeah. one mana indestructible spells, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I think this card is really close. I think it deserves to be tested a bit. Um, I could, I, I could be convinced both ways. I could see this being overrated. Like on paper, you're like, holy shit, this is good for humans. And like then in, in practice, you're like, I just, I'd rather it just, it might make your curve a little clunky or Thalia just works a bit better in the deck because um, it's just a better body for the most part. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a 2 1, but first strike is a bit more relevant in this case than the plus 1 plus 0. And then essentially the Thalia plus 1 extra mana to all the other non creature spells effectively acts the same way as Ward 1 because I mean, it makes their Fatal Push cost 2 and all that stuff the same way. So I could see this yeah. just not making the cut. Well, on the other hand, I say, like, you know, we all think Thalia's great and all, but maybe maybe some meta just replaces Thalia. Obviously, yeah. Thalia delays sweepers by a turn, which is huge. Yep. Um, but I'm pretty sure I've seen lists on four With Like Thalia, Selfless Spirit. Which seems a little excessive, given that it's a legendary. Now, it does have a target on its head, but I can see a world where you run three Thalia and, like, one Copper Coat Vanguard, or two Copper Coat it, Vanguards and then something else goes. Like, just to have that taxing effect, but it's not legendary, and this actually ups the clock, which in a way, it doesn't delay sweepers, but your opponent has taken more damage before they cast their sweeper, which in a way might as well be that you've delayed the sweeper. It is worth noting that this card says each other human. So yeah, no, if they target true. it with, with Fatal Push, it doesn't get the Ward one. Now, if you get multiple copies of this down, you get multiple Ward effects, and then, then you give each other plus one, but then all other humans get plus two. So that's something yeah. to keep in, keep, uh, keep in mind. Um, the each other thing can be a little weird sometimes. Also still but, great uh, with like Thalia, because Thalia is a priority target. I agree. And you play this, and it's like, God, do I play this first? So I don't get taxed as much, but then Thalia stays on the board for another turn. So Yeah. Uh, just a random any one drop and then like turn two Thalia and then like turn three this plus Dauntless Bodyguard on either this or Thalia. Like mm -hmm. that is a fucking nasty board. Yeah. I like I said, I think I think this could could work pretty nicely in the deck. But again, I can see both sides. Um next we have Deification, which it's really hard for me not to read this at first glance as defecation. Uh <laughs> So there's just that. Get, just get a but little, just get a little eraser. Take the eye out. <laughs> Deification is a two mana, one and a white enchantment that says, as it enters the battlefield, choose a planeswalker type. Planeswalkers you control of the chosen type have hexproof. As long as you control a creature, if damage dealt to a planeswalker you control of the chosen type would result in all loyalty counters on it being removed, instead, all but one of these counters are removed. So it's really. A very interesting protection spell, so to speak, for it's your like planeswalkers. For people who know that card, worship is an yeah. enchantment for three mana, and it says as long as you control a creature, your life total can re be reduced below one. So it's kind of worship for a planeswalker type. Yeah, which makes sense because it's deification, which yeah, exactly. is you know, yeah. So uh, I don't know cool what to, to flavor think of this text card, on though. this one. You, you would think, right? Yeah, you'd think um, that a card called Deification would have flavor text, but no. No, it don't. Maybe they should start like changing the card backs for magic cards and putting flavor text on the back just of put, them. Just put stories on the back of the card. To be honest, everyone sleeves them. We play with we play with so many double-sided cards that sleeves have kind of become mandatory anyway. Fuck it. Put story back spotlights on the backs of cards. Why not? Right? I they already cool. released the story for a set. 
Why can't I just line up... Brad, we have the whole story written out. What if you took all the cards that weren't double face, because double face cards are always at the end of the set anyway, if you go in the image gallery, and if you would mm-hmm. put the first 200 cards in a set in order, they would tell the story of the set. That'd be Wouldn't cool. that be cool? Yeah, kind of like that it. though. <laughs> no, that's 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 uh, precious ink that we have to save money yeah. on because, you know, <laughs> if we if you look if Wizards starts spending money on extra ink, Alex, then you're opening the door to them being like, well, why aren't oh, you no, spending extra money on better card stock? That's interesting. You could just but, you know instead of doing the ink, I want better card stock. And the Wizards like, no, 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 no. we can't do we that. Have to use more ink. Uh, anyway, before we go on another tangent about how awful this set is. Um, deification is kind of interesting. Obviously, your planeswalkers can be reduced below one loyalty, means you only yeah, can but, really okay, use planeswalkers that tip, tick up, or have zero. Where do you play this, though? Well, the first thought that came in my head, which is kind of a fun combination, is you play this, you name Elspeth, and you play oh. the new Elspeth, which pluses to make a token. So, like, you can't lose your Elspeth, you've got this token machine. And if your opponent gets tired of constantly hitting your Elspeth and doesn't, then you is might... Is that Elspeth in the art? No, who is that? Yeah, that's Elspeth, right? This is on Theros. I think it's Elspeth, yeah. Yeah, because she's dead. Yeah, and, and you see the, like, <laughs> helmet of uh, Elishnor next to it, like, on these sort of... Oh, there goes the hope that... Uh, I know people were either hoping it was going to be either Elspeth or Gideon to take over um, Heliod's spot oh, oh. as the White God. It's deification... She gets worshipped as a god. True, it's but she'll never appear. So they'll eventually lose faith in her because she's dead. She's gone. The story well, but, confirmed that. She's yeah, just but, dead. But Theros works in mysterious ways. It could even be she, an avatar yeah, of Elspeth. She, she could come back. That's fine. Well, it could just be an, and then we say it. it's an avatar of Elspeth instead. And then, like, dude, I would know, love an, an Elspeth avatar values, card. Right. Like, it could be like. Not exactly Elspeth, like it's an Elspeth that wouldn't know who Ajani is, but it's more like the values that Elspeth had personified. That could be possible. I think the card is cool. I like it. Um, I think a lot of I think I, look, a lot of the cards in the set are cool. It's just I don't know where they can be played for the most part. EDH, um, and this is yeah. Fuck off. If you're <laughs> it's if true, you though. play <laughs> if you play a Super Friends like you know. Planeswalker tribal bullshit deck in like mono like if you play Elspeth tribal I just I guess you could in EDH <laughs> and you do like token lore generation and like all your tokens get plus one plus zero oh, and all this shit have fucking fun Dude, enjoy I just yourself. Steal this card with Bolas in my super friend. Oh, this is this is fucking cool in Oathbreaker though. Uh, isn't Oathbreaker instant sorceries? Oh, this doesn't have to be the the Oathbreaker card. I'm oh saying, yeah, and like, it could be in a, in an Oathbreaker deck. Yeah. You could play I a like planeswalker together with a spell that makes tokens, and then if you have this, then value. But in Pioneer, this is probably ass. Now, as I say that, I'm probably going to be eating my own words in like a month when someone makes some ridiculously like deck like uh, that's mono white, and you look at it and you're like, how the fuck does this ever win? And it's like I five owed seven straight leagues on mono. <laughs> oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Right, next card, uh, we could kind of just skip over. Harnessed Snubhorn, 3 and a white, 2, 5, Vigilance, Dino. When it deals damage to a player, return target artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield. Just play a 4-mana card that already does that. There's 4-mana cards that do this instead of being 2, 5. But Alex, this is, this is repeatable. And I can, put a, I can put an enchantment or a, 
that says it is unblockable. Yeah, sure. Good That's luck. a five mana investment for many manas worth of turns. Eh? In order to eh? play like a seven mana card. Worth. That sounds cool. And then you just have like a mill subtype. Oh, you can play Tazri. Tazri likes to mill cards. <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> we figured it out. We figured it out. If only else, if only Tazri worked with triggered abilities, not activated abilities. Anyway, Metropolis Reformer is a. Dude, this art is fucking cracked. I love the I love the angels of Nukapenna. They are my favorite aesthetic of angels in they're all of magic. Cool. I don't know. I don't know if they're my favorite. I think they're cool, but I, I'm I'm generic in that way. So just like give me. Star I think angel. they're the they're the closest thing to biblically accurate angels we can ever get in magic because they're kind of terrifying looking. True. And, like, I want to get a wheel, wheel, wheel with eyes. Yeah, give me yeah, give me the eye wheel thing. That'd be great. Uh, anyway, it's two and a white for a two three angel cleric, flying vigilance, and you have hexproof. Whenever a metropolis reformer is dealt damage, you gain that much life. So it's kind of just a decent defensive card, right? You can you could still attack your opponent with it if they have like two power creatures. They get like double punished for attacking into this. Um, if they have a big creature, you can block it and take it instead. Now, one important thing here is that um, I don't know if this is the way this is worded. This could be a triggered ability to gain the life. I'm pretty sure it is. So if you block mm -hmm. with this and you die, you die before you gain the life. So I'm fairly sure because it says whenever it is a trigger. So it's, it's worded like old lifelink, which is kind of cool. Very unfortunate. But yeah, it's a three mana um, angel. You could Coco into it, um, which means that now I don't think the problem for the angels deck is aggressive decks, seeing as they are generally on forty life on turn four. But if you really I, struggle, I kind them, of, I kind of like this as a, a sideboard card in angels, just because like there's a world where angels players sometimes are like, I would like to have Hexproof, but Shalai costs four mana, so I can't Coco into her. And this can cocoa into it, and then it can protect your other True. big stuff later on. I think that that's interesting. Um, I don't know how good that's going to be or how relevant it is. I, I don't play Angels really that much, and I don't really watch a lot of Angels content or people play it because I don't really care about watching the same game take place 80 times in a row. Like, there, there's, really, there's really no nuance to Angels, right? And I apologize if you're an Angels player and you're listening to this and you're going, but Brad, I, I, there's so many lines to choose from. <laughs> so more power to you. But from what I see, it looks pr the, one of the more straightforward decks you can play. You gain large number. Large number is lots of life. And if you're in the mirror match, you want to kill yourself. <laughs> I definitely do. If I'm watching, if I've, I do, that's why I stopped watching. Remember when? Remember that week when Angels was like the like one of the top played decks, and it's like every content creator is like, "I'm going to try out the Angels deck," and it's like mirror match, and you're like, "We both have 400 life, yay!" It's like, what do you do? And then like it's it does that zoom out bullshit on either Moto or Arena, whichever they're playing on, and you're like you can't even tell what creature is what anymore because it's so zoomed out and then they're like i'm just gonna swing and like they're like slowly making all the blocks you see all the little fucking arrows everywhere and you're just like i i i would concede i even if i'm probably winning i would just concede 
Fun thing for you Angel Tribal players in EDH, by the way. It's this he uh, Hexproof, at least protection from Sabo's Decree, which is probably the card that I fucked over a player with the most. Uh, Sabo's Decree, I just want to quickly read this out, because a friend of mine always played Slivers, and his deck was way better than everyone else's, so eventually I put Sabo's Decree in my deck, just to like teach him a lesson. Six mana for an instant. Choose a creature type. Target player reveals his or her hand and discards all creatures of the chosen type, then destroy all creatures of that type the player controls. <laughs> So I just named Slivers, and their board exploded, and they lost their hand. And they were like, this is not fun. And I was like, yeah, now you know what it's like to play against this fucking deck. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think yeah. like, it's a one I think I was, I was justified. I took it out afterwards, just to teach him a lesson. It's like a 50-cent card, so... Worth oh, no, I would keep it in at all times, in any deck that has the colors in it, just oh, in case I play Oh, I still have it at deck. the ready if he pulls his bullshit again. The only problem well, is his no, next like, tribal I... deck is God Tribal, and they're all indestructible, so... Oh, you discarded all their gods, I guess. That's cool. True. But, like, I mean, look, if you're playing a, a, a deck that's a tribe uh, in any format, I think it's perfectly fine, especially in EDH, to be like, I have this one of silver bullet in my 99. True. If I get it, I get it. If I don't get it, we lose to your fucking deck anyway because <laughs> you're assembling Ultron over there. But this is not an EDH podcast because then it would be five hours on this set. Uh, next card up is Spark Ruptures. Two and a white for an enchantment. When it enters a battlefield, draw a card. Card is saved. Um, and all your planeswalkers are Gideon. So they lose their abilities, but they become XXs, where X is the amount of loyalty counters on them. Um, or your opponents. Yeah, so it switches off all their abilities, right? No more planeswalkers, that sort of thing. Um, if you play planeswalker tribal, and you want to like turn all your planeswalkers into creatures to swing for lethal... Just play Sark and the Masterless because they become four fours with flying, um, and I think this is terrible hate against Planeswalkers. It cantrips. Saved. That is that is my like if I if I I'm gonna go backwards real quick. I wanna wanna and if quickly... you play Enigmatic Fires, it's it goes in your three mana toolbox. Oh no, wait, that tutors up creatures based on the enchantment you sack, so it doesn't even work. Okay, uh, and we already talked about Tazri. So you know what, Alex? This is what I'm going to do for every... Because there's only, you know, a handful of cards for each color, right? So real quick. Yeah. We already talked about Tazri. Fucking bullshit. So let's move backwards a little bit. Coppercoat Vanguard, I'm going to give a solid 5 out of 5. I don't know what it does in terms of the great... It's either going to be a 5 out of 5 or a 5 out of 10. It's one of those, right? <laughs> I think... And I got a 50-50 shot. Devocation, I'm going to give a... 3 out of 10 in Constructed. Hardest uh, Snubburn, I'm going to give a 2 out of 10 in Constructed. Metropolis Reformer, I'm going to give a 7 out of 10 in Constructed. I think it could be really good. I think it could be fine. Maybe a 6. Spark Rupture, I'm going to give 1 Cantrip out of 10. <laughs> and then Tazri, I'm going to give... Are we, are we doing Crew 3 doesn't slap ratings now? <laughs> no. Better. <laughs> <laughs> Tazri gets a 0 out of 10 just play goals instead if you want to do some bullshit Wooberg whatever in a deck that has no business playing Wooberg yeah I'll, I'll quickly go Coppercoat Vanguard agree like 7 out of 10 Deification 2 out of 10 you can do something fun with it Harness Stubborn 1 out of 10 it's garbage Metropolis Reformer I, you gotta get it's I'll, a good body though it's a 2-5 fuck off <laughs> um Metropolis Reformer, 7 out of 10. Spark Rupture, 1 out of 10. I don't care that it cantrips. And Tazri, don't read this card. Don't buy this card. If you pull it, throw it away. I don't care. 
but Alex, it's a warrior. We can play oh, a yeah, warrior deck now. Oh, yeah, it's another person with swords. Oh, yeah, all the warriors with activated abilities. That's right. <laughs> all the warriors with active abilities are actually just berserkers because <laughs> they're the ones that have, <laughs> that have uh, what's it called? What's, what's, it, what's, that, what's that ability that they got? Oh, boast. Oh, <laughs> boast, yeah. <laughs> Yay! Boast tribal. Oh, so they fucking else i think some of them some of them are warriors no i don't know there, there's the spirit is that like okay you know what deck you know what deck has the it most warriors cool in it oh also okay. Tazri, Actually, allies. allies don't have activated abilities they have triggered abilities so mm -hmm. wonderful doesn't even work with allies great wait Blue, though. are knight are knights ever also a warrior or are they just knights Oh, they're never, they're never multiple. It's either a knight oh, okay. or a warrior or a berserker or a soldier. It's... Okay, so pretty much all warriors I've ever seen are minotaurs. <laughs> Minotaur tribe. Right? Let's go. Oh, dude, I... I... There was someone Zendikar. Like, the goblins are I warriors. do. I do love Minotaur tribal. I wish True. some of, like, the mo the cards that are, like, in modern that we don't have, like... Uh... Dude, could you imagine if we had Didgeridoo in Pioneer? <laughs> Come on. Come on. You wouldn't know that be people sick? would use it to put a big changeling on the battlefield and they wouldn't actually do anything with Minotaurs. Which changeling do we have to put on the battlefield? We don't have the big fuck from modern. True, I, I don't know. What are you going to do? You, you're going you're gonna to play Didgeridoo and then play the fucking three-mana enchantment that makes all of your things yeah, a certain... Yeah, adaptation. Like a, now, like a Minotaur? In total, I've spent seven mana and three cards to put an Ulamog on the battlefield, which is a ten-mana card. Um, Ramping, I guess? E cool. EDH Twitter <laughs> is, is on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, blue. We only have four cards to talk about. Amazing. But I will say there's actually two cool ones. The first one is filter out one blue blue instant. Return all non-creature, non-land permanents to their owner's hand. Um, this is just kind of like your Hercules recall-esque hate card, which I think is pretty cool. Um, not returning creatures obviously makes it much worse, but understandable. But something like enigmatic. Right, if you play against a deck and they play their random bullshit on the battlefield and then they go for the enigmatic and you're like, actually, before your end step, you can do your last three turns again. So I could see it being pretty cool hate there. Um, this could also be cool out of a creature deck if your opponent plays a bunch of, uh, you know, like a, a temporary lockdown, those type of things it can get out from underneath. That's pretty cool. It could deal with Planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, so there's cool stuff there. Um, and you could potentially combo with it if you have like Kinnan with your Mox Ambers and your, you know, Mana Rocks and stuff. Perhaps you can find a way to like pick them up again, like tap them off for mana, pick them up again, play them again, do sort of like an upheaval kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I can. This card's pretty cool to me. I don't know if it's great, but I think it's pretty sweet. I'll rate it now. This this will this will get the signature seven out of ten. Sorry, no, so it's filter uh, out. This is, gets this... the 7.8 out of 10 too much water. Mm. Mm, there is a lot of water going on, but it looks like ink based on the art. Well, they're filtering the ink out of the water. That's what the merfolk are doing. Again, oh. the flavor text is just Phyrexians were here. We are cleaning up. Thanks, oh, I, the oil. I, 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 I That's yeah. oil. I'm an idiot. I wasn't even reading the flavor text. I'm just like, huh. Yeah, like when you said that when, when, they, oil. when you can... When you confirmed my ink statement, I was like, why is there ink in their water? They should just move. 
This is just, you know, we've gone from Phyrexian pollution to regular real-world pollution. So they I mean, do look, still have to clear it up. <laughs> if Ben Shapiro saw this card, he'd just be like, yeah, just, just sell your house and move. <laughs> sell your the one that's covered move. in oil. Fucking Aquaman. <laughs> he doesn't want it. Uh, yeah, this this card's cool. Um, it's fine. It's the epitome of fine. It's actually the epitome of everyone being like, this is, this might be something. It's not. It's not something I don't think it is. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say it's a negative 15 out of 10 because fuck you for thinking this card's good. In reality, it's a three out of three out of 10. Like it'll, <laughs> you're going to, seriously, you're going to, if, if there's two ways you can go about this, it can be a, a pretty inefficient hate spell that works sometimes against the things you're trying to target against it, where you could just have more efficient things working for you anyway and try to like just play better counter spells or whatever and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it just, it hates on very niche things. So that's the first thing. It's just kind of inefficient there. And then B, when you try to do your magical Christmas land thing of like comboing off with it, it's going to happen once in 10 games. You're going to be really fucking happy. But then otherwise I'm you'll be like, I'm never playing, smart, never playing this like deck this. again. Yeah, so it, it is it is not very good. However, the art, as always, when a, when depicting a wizardy merfolk person, is a ten out of ten. Phenomenal. Okay. I will actually just I'll get ahead of myself here real quick. I think the blue cards have the best art in this set. Well, actually, some of the black ones are really good, but yeah, I think I think the, so far what I'm looking at, just glancing through the cards, I think blue has the best art. Out of all of the colors, multicolored included. At least it's like there's not a single blue card where I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah. But they're all Yeah. And they're interesting. They have they have a good amount of stuff going on. Um Vesuvian Drifter is amazing art. I'm always a big fan of that kind of well, visual let's, stuff. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know. Oh whatever. They're all baby playable anyway. So the next maybe play uh, this one is another like like the dinosaur. Talarian Contempt. Three blue-blue enchantment. When Talarian Contempt enters the battlefield, put a rejection counter on each creature you control. At the beginning of your end step, for each opponent, choose up to one target creature they control with a rejection counter on it. That creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So it's like five mana for the worst sweeper you've ever seen in your life. I would love to play an EDH deck that just says, like... It's just cards that have counters on them that we've never revisited again. Like brick counters from Amonkhet, rejection, rejection counters on this. Counters, just... Like that that sounds like a fun deck that won't do and, anything and then, ever. And then put play these there's a card like from Icor from like the Ikoria Commander set or something that like moves a counter from one thing to another. So then I'm just like, I'm gonna put a rejection counter on your enchantment. I don't know why. It doesn't do anything, but it's there. <laughs> I just want you to know that I'm rejecting the enchantment yeah. you just played. I don't like it. I don't care I for don't it. Like I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have removal for it, but I do have a rejection counter, so we can house rules it and say it it doesn't work anymore. Is I'm everyone gonna, else okay I'm gonna with that? I'm going to take an energy counter that's on you and swap it for a rejection counter because I would like you to leave. <laughs> I mean, that, that actually is kind of funny. Like, I'm going to take away your energy counter. I get it now. I don't have energy cards, but you do, so... I think this is kind of nice. Oh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take his poison counter and also put it on you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, this card's this card's yeah, ass. One out of 10. You, but you know what card's not ass? Uh, training grounds. I think this Ooh. card that has potential to be like you know something. But again, it's probably going to fall into the category of like. Makes you I feel hope smart. it works. Yeah. Uh, it's a one mana, so one blue enchantment. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate, and this effect cannot reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. Um, so yeah, you can do more kin and bullshit, I guess, stuff like that. Um, wh- where would you put this? Like, what is your the, first thi- like thinking of like a card? Trying like this? to come up with something when, and I haven't put it all together yet, and it looked kind of bad, but like it's the first thing where I went. There's this card from I think it's Midnight Hunt. And it has an activated ability of two and a blue, and it steals an activated ability of something from a graveyard. Like you exile mm-hmm. it, and it gains an activated ability. Oh, and the fucking um, the, 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 the zombie or, or something. Yeah, the zombie um, boy. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking at that time, like, what can I piece together that makes some infinite mana loop? Right? Can I find a creature with an activated ability that like taps for two blue? And then there's like a card from Ikoria that is one on a blue to untap itself, right? Like, can I find like some sort of nonsense combo there? Obviously, Training Grounds would help a lot with that. Um, because now the activated ability is one blue instead of two in a blue, and all the activated abilities you steal are discounted. So I could see Training Grounds with something. Obviously, uh, now you've got Kenrith, and now all your stronger Kenrith abilities are suddenly really cheap. Maybe you can do something with that. I think it is a bit like cheesy deck you're gonna feel smart for playing, but it's not actually good. But I do think Training Ground allows for stupid shenanigans and I like that a lot. For that, um, maybe my favorite card in the set. Just because I've had a lot of times where I was thinking like, man, this card is just sweet. Like, I just want it. I don't know if I can do anything with it, but I just want to have it. Yeah, I'm always a sucker for cards that I feel like have potential to do something really broken and dumb, um, even if that never comes to fruition. It is one mana. That's it's a it's a really cool turn one play for any combo deck. Like any deck that wants to do something like dumb, you always look for a card that can enable it at one mana to get your you get the ball rolling immediately. Yeah, it just so often really important. So often we've seen like enchantments where we're like, oh, this could do something silly, but it's like an eight mana card. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it could do something silly, but when do you actually get to cast it? Right? And this is a one mana card. So if you do something like, uh, if you do something with this, then you could play it on turn one and get like under all kinds of interaction. Maybe you could do something silly with this with like Zendikar Manlands or something, right? Or like a Mutavolt and then you like activate your Mutavolt and then like Put some, put some sort of enchant. There's enchantments that give activated abilities, uh, so there's just a lot that this could do in the future. It's just sweet card. I do want to double check something. Um, what do I have? Hold on. I I had an idea for something that I think would be kind of cool. Um. An easy one I saw, by the way, to steal with uh, that patchwork card is there is a card... There's Palladium Mirror, which is just a three-mana mirror that taps for two colorless mana. And there's actually one of the unearthed colosses, colossi or whatever from Brothers War, which just says... It's one of those cards, very old-school card that like doesn't untap during your turn, but you can pay mana to untap it. 
And that just says mm -hmm. three colorless and tap this. So if you get the activated ability of Palladium Mare, it just tap, make two colorless. And then because of this reduction, one colorless, untap it. Now you've got infinite colorless mana. Now imagine if Vulcan Ballista was still legal, but um, maybe you could do something else with it. Uh, give me one second. I think While I'm there's, doing this. You can that makes it way more convoluted. If you want to. But I think there is a construct from Ravnica that can like tap and remove counters from itself uh, to deal damage. And then you could have Hangerback Walker in your graveyard. And once you have infinite colorless mana, you can put infinite counters on your dude and then ping them all off with, like, I think it's like a Sentry Warden or something. But that's four color. That's like if I piece these five cards together, I win, which, like, hurt your, right? Good job. Um, the next card is Vesuvian Drifter. Two and a blue for a Shapeshifter with flying. It's a 2-4. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. Always fun. At the beginning of each combat, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you reveal a creature, Vesuvian Drifter becomes a copy of that card until the end of his turn, except it as flying. Um, obviously, there's some magical Christmas land nonsense to be doing with this. Um, three mana, and you put like... I don't know. You put Ulamog on top, and now you get the attack trigger to mill your opponent for 20. Um, or you get, like, Atali, I think it is, like the one that attacks. and Not the new Atali, but the old Atali, that when it attacks, you flip cards from the top of each player's deck until you cast one, which in this case would be an Atali, which is actually kind of cool. Um, so there's cool stuff to be done here. Top deck manipulation is pretty rare in Pioneer. We've got no Senses Divine next top. We've got no Brainstorm. So in order to do top deck manipulation, you often have to result to bad cards or getting lucky. So in that way, I don't think it's great. There are some... Don't know from the top of my head. There are some creature tutors that say, like, put it on top of your library instead of putting it into your hand. So if you can combine it with something like that, you know, you can get some really cool shenanigans going. But it does feel like the juice is not worth the squeeze. Yeah, it's not comparable to other cards that are like, you know, look at the top card of your library kind of stuff, where they have some right off the bat synergies you want to go with, um, or things that you feel like can be worthwhile in a deck. Um, but I do, you know, I do like cards like this in general, right? Like, that's what that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, this is a sweet card. And if you, if you manage to give this haste, which it's cheaper, so in that way giving it haste could be easier. Um, there's like... There's a bunch of different cards that give haste. If you could combine it with something like that, that could be cool. Um, but probably not a very good card. Um, hold on. Brad is looking for something. I want to see if this works. So let me go... Shall I head on to the that next was, card while you figure this out? That was the last blue one, right? Yeah, it was the last blue one. All right, so let's see if this is worthwhile... Um, window that. Okay. I don't know if this is readable for people. It's readable for me. So, for the people who actually watch the podcast along, Brad just pulled up the cards. So he would be able to actually see them. I, no I made, I made a little presentation. We were collectively left in suspense. Look at that. Um, can I zoom in? Oh my god, I can. Oh, oh. So how about, Brad, with this new technology, you read out the next card? Alright, so we have 
uh, Ayara's Oathsworn, a two mana, two, two, one and a black human knight with menace. Whenever uh, a, a, a Yara, Ayara's Oathsworn deals damage to a player, if it has fewer than four plus one plus one counters on it, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then, if it has exactly four plus one plus one counters on it, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and shuffle. I'm going to be honest. That second part feels like flavor text to me. I feel like that this, if you want to play like a, you know, a Mardu or like, a, you know, Orzov Knights deck, I think this is just a very solid two drop that you want to play in it. Yeah, I agree. And and just like it just gets bigger and can get up to a 6-6 six, six with Menace and feels like a card they have to kind of kill. And then if you happen to, if it stays alive for that long, right? And then you can start searching for shit. A, they should be dead already if you've hit them this many times with a card well, that goes two, then three, then four, then five, then six. And then not even counting your lords and your other curves, like uh, like you could play the one three drop that humans plays to make one one human bullshit things. Stuff like that. No, but like if you have um called it even like luminarch aspirant it's a human so luminarch aspirant thalia's lieutenant um it's not like unheard of to put counters on this in another way so i think this card is honestly it's just pretty decent right i think it's a good drop in knights as you mm -hmm. said i th i think it's a serviceable human i don't know if it's good enough it feels like too many hoops well, I mean, uh, humans doesn't really go into black that much anymore. Like, Orzhov doesn't really that is played. Not yeah, as much but as it's it's such but... such a smaller percentage. Um, and I don't. I what, I what I mean by that is like I don't think this is what puts like you know Orzhov humans back on the map to compete with white or just plain white. At least it's not specifically this card. Now there is another Orzhov human we might be able to talk about later, which True. might actually put Orzhov humans on the map. Um, also, I just have. Even though it does synergize with this card, we all know of my disdain for Luminarch Aspirant, so any reasonable two drop, I would probably rather play than Luminarch Aspirant. So even True. though this goes with and, Luminarch uh, Aspirant. Lieutenant. Yeah, and Lieutenant it goes well with um So Do we have any do we have there. a two mana menace human in Pioneer? Probably, but Keyword's been around long enough. I assume at this point we have a two mana menace human, but I don't know. Uh... Is the is the hexproof from black or hexproof from white one have menace or is that no? That's lifelink. That one is a lifelink. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's a good knight, so I'm mo mainly excited for that. Yeah. Um, oh wait, did card. we we didn't what rank? Hold on. In my. In my uh, whatever, hold on. Why can't Case, I? you forgot to rank the blue cards. Okay, let's rank these real quick. Okay, I gave I gave filter out a negative ten. This one, Talarin is a is a one. Play it if you want. Play it in a goofy bullshit rejected counter deck, and I mean by the reject counters like brick counters and shit too. Training grounds is an eight out of ten potential to get fucking nutty, but also at the same time very well could be a zero out of ten because it just doesn't do fucking anything in the right deck. And three out of ten. <laughs> yeah, Perfectly I'll go okay. along with that. I think filter out is a little bit better, but overall. All right. Back to the black cards. Let's look at blot out, which look at this art, by the way. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, I would have been very who, excited who by this card. 
Chris Cold. Oh, he's the one that did the. Um, I made the joke about it. He did the uh, the thing in the ice thing. Uh, not thing in the ice, but like uh, the the uh, Leviathan thing. That's like the the ice creature from Caldime. That oh, cares about yeah, like yeah. snow. And I thought it was funny that his he's na- his name is Chris Cold. And he made and a he snow did. cart. Yeah. Look yeah. at this art. So good. What does it do, Alex? Is it is it worth playing for the art? Well, it's honestly pretty close. Uh, blot out two and a white, uh, two and a black. Excuse me, two and a black for an instant. Target opponent exiles a creature or planeswalker they control with the greatest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control. So this is Soul Shatter that we knew from um, Zendikar mm-hmm. Rising, but instead of sacrifice, it's exile, which for all intents and purposes is better. Um, yeah. So again, like when Soul Shatter came out, I was always like. Um, Hero's Downfall is a bad card. Like, we haven't had, like, an improvement on removal spells in such a long time. Um, so I always thought Soul Shatter was better than Hero's Downfall. And when people played Hero's Downfall, I would think they would should play Soul Shatter. So that now goes for Blot Out. But frankly, nobody really plays Hero's Downfall anymore. Because, like, we've gotten removal since. And also just the removal is just too inefficient. So yeah. I don't think this sees a lot of play. But... With that being said, um, the fact that it's exiles, so it's is very is a big upgrade. So if we talk about like mono green, right? It's important to exile their cards there. Um, you know, if people start like dealing with control, if you're playing control deck, if people start dealing with that again with hexproof cards. Think Carnage Tyrant or now Tyrannus Rex or whatever the one from All Will Be One. Um, if there's Bogles around, if people are playing Thrun. Right, so there's a lot of cards that people could play that, and some of them are even pretty reasonable main deck includes. Where I could see, yeah, Blood Out is you know a reasonable card to even main deck. So of the three mana black removal spells, this is probably the best one. Now I know there you don't have control over it, but 99% of the time you want to kill the card with the highest converted mana cost because that's presumably the strongest card. So. It's not yeah. that much of a restriction, and the fact that it avoids hexproof, protection spells, all these type of things is pretty big. I just I, 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 I want to see art. this card in foil. This thing Soul is Shatter has amazing art, game. but fuck, this art is so good too. This is also an uncommon. Soul Shatter is you know a rare, um, so you know. Though, if this was a rare, it would have the chance to get the four treatment or the borderless treatment, and I think I'd really yeah, want so to see Soul that. Yeah, Soul Shatter has that. So, almost a shame this isn't a rare, so it could have gotten that. All right, Alex, you ready to play some Demir Spirits? Oh, this card's fucking awful. Death, Rattle, Oni. Dude, this art is also sick. Look at this little guy. It's so little creepy. spider friend. He's got other little four-legged spider friends for some reason. Six-legged. Well, he... Are they six? One, two, three. Oh, yeah. I can't count. I didn't see even, these legs. They kind, they're kind of four, eight-legged, actually. They, they seem to have double four legs. Yeah, Whatever. I see that. It's right a there. Kamigawa spirit, so it's going to look like Nightmare Fuel, because they all do. Dude, can we get another Japanese plane besides Kamigawa? Because I just love the aesthetic of this shit so much. Uh, anyway, Death Rattle Oni is a seven mana, six and a black for a flashing demon spirit, five, four. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature that died this turn. With Death Rattle Oni enters the battlefield, destroy all other creatures that were dealt damage this turn. Okay, so this is bad. It's a bad card. 
but I love the flavor of it. And I love the idea that like you have this big battle take place and like, like you're like, you put a bunch of blockers in front and like people are dying and shit. And then like your opponent that just, they think they vanquished the entire fucking team. And then this guy's like, no, he just fucking <laughs> spawns. Like, look at there's a little like cool, like portal he comes out of in the back too. Like imagine you're like the like, part of the Yakuza or whatever the equivalent uh, is in, uh, in, you know, Kaladon, not Kaladon, I'm sorry, uh, Kamigawa. Uh, and, uh, and you're fucking fighting your other, the other ninja and the other clan and shit. And you're like, yeah, we beat their ass. And this guy's this like, thing shows up. no, you didn't. You got to get through me now. Which, in all fairness, he's a 5'4". He's not that big. Yeah, he's pretty easy <laughs> to get through, actually. He doesn't have any other keywords. He's got flash. But obviously, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't think... We, you can't draft this, right? It's like five-card packs. I don't know if you're going to like draft March of the Machine and then like add a pack of this or whatever, if that's like something you could do with it. That, I think that'd but, be kind of cool. Because this card is a fucking house in Limited. Like, yeah. I could just imagine your opponent attacks with like a bunch of guys and like one very big guy. You just jump their big creature and then do a bunch of trades and then for one black mana, you just flash this in and the rest of their board dies. So like... It's like this a is the kind of card, <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of card I would want to try to make work, like early on in my standard days of first playing Magic. Like it's just a cool card. Ten out of ten for being a cool card. <laughs> yes. All right, hold on, hold on. I accidentally pulled the wrong thing. Now let's look at Markov Baron. Um, I don't. I already so don't know cool, about this though. card. Oh my god! It's it looks so it's cool. so. Look it's at the a, chair, man. That is that is uh That's a snazzy fucking That is chair. that is how the kids say uh serving cunt. That is uh definitely what? <laughs> You ever heard that? No. It's like all over fucking TikTok and shit. It's like like she's or she's giving mother, even though I'm pretty sure this is a guy. I'm yeah, gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Uh what does the card do, Brad? <laughs> If we've got any Gen Zers in chat, they know what I'm talking about. I'm hip with it. I know in the shit. Yes. Oh my god, Brad. <laughs> you are perpetually online. <laughs> uh yes. Okay, Markov Baron is a three mana two 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 in a black for a vampire noble with convoke. It also has lifelink. Oh, and by the way, the Lord. Other vampires you control get plus one plus one. And then just for good measure, it has madness of three. Um so I have no idea what to make of this card. Because as a vampire connoisseur like myself. I see potential in this card. I'm like, that's cool. The Convoke is nice. You do oftentimes get some, you know, amount of bodies down. So a one mana 2-2 two, two Lord is pretty nice. Um, has lifelink. The Madness is pretty interesting as well, um, where you'd probably go into more of a Rakdos shelf to make use of the Madness and, like, the red spells and, like, that kind of thing for the more discard outlets. And the question is I, that I have that actually really changes fundamentally what I think of this card. By by at least two points in the grading scale. Does the madness cost? Is it possible to use convoke for it? I assume so. A, it would be very weird if you couldn't. Like, would be a very unintuitive card. But convoke says your creatures can help cast this spell, and madness says if you discard, discard, discard it into exile. When you do, cast it for its madness cost. So you cast it for okay. a madness cost, and Convoke says your creatures can help cast this spell, which I assume means that works. Yeah, I think this card's really cool. I don't, I don't know if it quite. I, I the Convoke really helps. I, I almost wish this was just a two mana two two with madness of three instead of the Convoke stuff. No, I think the Convoke um, is what can make it pretty cracked. 
Like, now I'm... Really? Do the, now, how wide can you go with vampires? But I'm just thinking like Rakdos vampires, right? I know you've got you Vicious can, Conquistador. You can, you can go pretty one-drop. wide. Yeah, but you've got a good one-drop in Vicious Conquistador. You've got a decent one-drop in Epicure, yeah. which even works with this. Um... You, know, uh, you, you have, have uh, Knight of the Ebon Legion. You've got Knight of the Ebon Legion. You've got the other two Manada Socialite. Um, mm-hmm. So I can imagine this very easily is either one or zero mana. And there's a bunch of decent, small, low drop vampires that generate blood tokens that you can discard this card to. Yeah. And like, like, if you go turn one, let's say you go turn one Epicure. Uh, turn two, you play Blood Tithe Harvester. On turn three, you play another one drop. You all right? So this, I know it's Magical Christmas Lands. But well, we're no, gonna no, go no, 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 no. You can you can play this on turn two. We're gonna go turn one Epicure, turn two Blood Tithe Harvester. On turn three, we play a Knight of the Ebon Legion. Use a mana to crack the blood. Discard this, then pay a mana. Why can we? We can pay a mana. Tap the Epicure. Tap the knight. So basically for one mana we've played this. And now we attack with the Blood Tithe Harvester for four. And that puts a counter on the Knight of the Ebon Legion. Like, I mean, we can also... That seems like a pretty reasonable line. Right? It, that doesn't sound too magical Christmas landy. It's pretty strong. Right? So I You think can also just turn one, one drop, turn two this card. Yeah, but lords tend to be better if you play them after you've gone wide. So you first play your mm. creatures. Granted, in my scenario, we also only attack with one creature. But, like, going on a later turn and just... Even, like, you might only play this on, like, turn four. And then you just go, like, crack one, play a one-drop, crack one of my bloods, use that one-drop I've just played because I can't attack anyway, tap that for the Convoke, play this, draw an extra card, you know, and then swing with the rest of your board. I think this is honestly a pretty good card. Like Rectal's aggro vampires, I could see it. Which we also have some, you know, reasons to maybe go into Rakdos from last set, right? With the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's it called? The three mana one that can fling itself and other cards with the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we have white vampires from Ixalan. Uh, mainly mm-hmm. is Legion Lieutenant. I can imagine your mana base through like secluded courtyard, unclaimed territory and stuff. You just you can just splash literally just Legion Lieutenant without with only putting like two white sources in your deck. Mm. And the rest is just your rainbow tribal lands. Oh actually, you've got um what is it? You've got the Voldaren estate or whatever. Yeah. So Which also makes blood ju- tokens. Yeah, so you could just go four income claim territory, four secluded courtyard, four um, Voldaren estate, and that's 12 white sources, which is maybe you want one extra or something, but maybe with one extra is easily makes uh, left hand unsplashable. And then you're just a Ragdoll's deck. The rest of your mana should probably all tap for black, so you can use that to like Thoughtseize and Fatal Push and that sort of thing. And then you can build, I think, a pretty reasonable Rakdos aggro deck. I do think, uh, I've actually kind of like talked myself into this as I'm thinking about this, um, where like I was saying, like, I wish it was kind of like a 2-2. The reason now I'm kind of like okay with it, because I'm thinking about like the turn one play, Convoke, and just like even the simple thing of like just immediately getting this down on turn two, 
yes, that effectively is the same thing as, you know, playing a, like the lieutenant, like the lord. However, this dodges Fatal Push pretty early. Um, like, it's, most decks don't revolt as early as turn one and two, right? Or if they do, like, like if they do have something that makes like a, like a you know, a, uh, a blood token on turn one, and on turn two they crack the blood and then Fatal Push, I think I'm pretty happy about that. Honestly, yeah, but but we're also even we're talking ceiling floor, right? Yeah, floor well that's that's my floor. That's my floor. It's just basically a two mana lord. Yeah, which is which fine. is perfectly fine. And the top end is this card is zero mana, or it even draws you a card. So the ceiling is pretty high. And I can even imagine if you run this rectal stack like really aggressively, and you run like a bunch of blood synergies. Maybe you even run like Shrapnel Blast or something, right? If you have plenty of ways to generate blood, and now you're playing a very ag- aggressive Rectal stack that also runs a burn spell that does five damage, which can even kill Shieldred in a pinch if you're facing that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a fan. And, and if you uh, give this, um, what is that called? What is that ability called that, like, the thing with the fling thing has? When it targets it, puts a counter backup. on it, and it gains backup. Let's say you back up this as a 3-3. Three, three. Um, and you just feel like you need to fling it. It does have life link, which is relevant. Yeah. So you fling something, you gain the life back. Um, you know, I I, I really, I I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking it. And then of course you know Soren tying it all together. Uh, this is a this is a card that I think <laughs> I could completely actually, you know... forgot about Soren. <laughs> I was thinking of a vampire aggro deck. I just forgot Soren exists. <laughs> yeah. And like now, just I can dropping... honestly imagine a version that doesn't even run Soren because it's just so low to the ground. Like I'm thinking a yeah, deck but, that's but like Soren's all a three mana planeswalker. I feel like you still play it even in aggro deck. Yeah, but if you don't cheat anything in, I don't. I don't think it's like as well. Then you would just play. Necessary. No, you would still play Dusk Legion Champion or um, Dusk Zella Champion, whatever it's Champion called, the five mana one. Champion of Dusk. Yeah, you could God. you could run it with Champion of Dusk and Soren. I'm also just thinking, like, budget concerns. If people are like, oh, I think Rakdos aggro sounds cool. I don't think... I mean, that's, I not, a you... very, that's not a very budgety deck, Alex, if you if you want to play some of your uh, Shocklands and stuff. You can get away with not playing them, I mean, them, you might I already have it, right? You might already have True. those and not have your Sorens, which is, of course, that mythic. So, of course, he's very... But how do, we, how do we justify playing Rakdos and not playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker? Well, because we, we're like a 20-land deck. Like, we're an extremely low-curve aggressive deck. Okay, fair. That's how I built. I built this deck with, like, 12 or 16 one-drops. Like, I would go absolutely, like, 16 16 one-drops. And then, like, I might not even run Blood Tithe Harvester because it's, like, not aggressive enough. Um, And just go, like, 16 one-drops plus this, plus Legion Lieutenant, plus that Socialite card. It's also kind is of there cool. a vampire and that I feel, like, I feel like I should know this? I think the answer is no. I think I've looked for this. Do, we don't have a two mana one one vampire that makes a token of a vampire, right? I don't think so. Like that classic, like you know that the goblin yeah. card, or like the there's the uh, the the, no, the I don't zombie. Because I think that would really that'd be really nice for this kind of deck as well. It wants to go wide, and then it can also like you could do some cheating bullshit where like maybe like on like uh, like. Where it feels like this is going to be awkward to cast, but then you just play the thing that makes a token, and then all of a sudden you're just casting it essentially for free, even if you're tapped out. Um, you know, that kind of thing seems really nice to me. But I am noticing we've got to keep an eye on the time, because we've been talking about this set for much longer than I actually anticipated. 
Uh, and I do. All right. Well, let's 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 fly through these a bit faster. Okay. Urborg Scavengers is a three mana creature frog spirit. It's not a frog. I wish it was. It should be a frog. Look at it. Um, two mana. When it enters the battlefield uh, or attacks, exile target card from a graveyard. Put a counter on it. Plus one. Plus one. Plus one counter. Um, and then it has flying as long as a card exile with it had flying, and the same is true for everything else. It's interesting, but I don't think it's good. No, this is this is not good enough, right? Compare this to this Green should this should be a one mana one one, I think. And even then, it would kind of be. I think it's a one mana one one. It might be pretty strong, but this could have maybe been like a two mana two two. I mean, the thing is, it already grows when it attacks, so I find that scary on a one-drop. Right? It can get, oh. get, like, out of control pretty quickly. Right? Oh, that's all the black cards. Look at that. Yeah. We're so efficient. All right. Next. Also. Uh, well, do we want to speed run the rating? Five, five out of ten or ten out of ten. I don't... I know that's... You know what? Fuck it. Eight out of ten. Uh, two out of ten. Um, that's a ten out of ten still. Five out of ten. All right, so I'll actually read out the card names quickly because not everyone watches the podcast. Oh, I also went backwards. Um, yeah. Ayara's <laughs> Outsworn is like another seven. Blood Out, sorry, is another seven. I think it can work out. Death Rattle is a one out of ten. Mark of Baron is like a nine out of ten. Now that I'm talking about it, it might be my favorite card in the set. Uh, Urborg Scavenger is a one out of ten. They're hilarious, though. The alternate art is so fucking funny. All right. Re nope, that's green. Go back to red. Got ahead of myself there. All right, we got Arnie Metalbrow. Fuck this guy. Um, whenever a creature you control attacks or a creature enters the battlefield. Oh, yeah, he's a three-mana, three-three. Legendary creature, human berserker. Play him a commander. That's really it. Whenever a creature you control attacks or a creature enters the battlefield underneath your control, attacking, you may pay two mana, one and a red. If you do, you may put a creature card with mana value less than the creature's mana value from your hand onto the battlefield taps and attacking. Dude, there you can are sort cards of like cascade down. Like, you can... Play two mana, yeah, a but, five drop comes in. Play two mana, a four drop comes in. But magical crystal. There are cards that have this effect around the same mana cost that just cheat a card into play. In general, like there's I mean, uh, there's Rona's uh, whatever Rona's champion, which is a three mana card. Then you you know you uh, you exert it, which is free. And you just cheat a card into play, which has yeah, also, similar stats. Well, also um, you have to pay mana to put a card in the battlefield that is cheaper than the card that is already attacking. Which it might just cost the mana. You might just be, you know, it might be a yeah, loss. So yeah, exactly. Like, you, if Arnie by himself, if he attacks, you could pay two mana to put a two drop on the battlefield. Now, sure, it's tapped in attacking, but, like, whatever. Also, can he just fucking take the thing out of his head? Yeah, like, that's weird. so impractical. Like, he's he's had this since we saw him in Caldheim. Like, I know that's, like, your thing, bro. Like, I get it. But, like, if that's I see you coming damage. at me, I'm just going to fucking, like, aim for that thing in your head already. <laughs> like, fuck off. All right, we have next uh, Colgan Warmonger. It's a Orga Warrior, 3-2 for 3 with haste. Uh, look at the top six cards of your library when it attacks. You may reveal a dragon from among them, put it onto your hand, the rest in bottom. It's a limited card. I think it's pretty cool, but not super strong. 3 mana, 3-2, haste. It could draw you dragons, but the problem with dragon decks is often that you don't want to run that many dragons because they're expensive. So there's actually a very high chance that you miss. And then it's a 3 mana, 3-2, haste. I think, I think the red cards are kind of ass. Uh, Plarg <laughs> and Nasari. Well, 
five mana, five, four, three, and a double red. Legendary creature, Orc Ifrit. What a fucking creature type. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. An opponent chooses a non-land card exiled this way, and you may cast up to two spells from among the other cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. So, in a 1v1 format, beginning of your upkeep, both players flip until they hit a spell, and your opponent gives you the worst one. So, this is awful. Kind a of commander funny card, yay. yay. Uh, two out of ten. Two commander players out of ten. Uh, then we have Reckless Handling, a two-mana sorcery, one and a red. Search your library for an artifact card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle, then discard a card at random. If an artifact card was discarded this way, it deals two damage to each opponent. Brad. This Mardu, is ass. What do you Mardu mean? Mardu Greasefang. You tutor up your Parhelion. If you're lucky, you dump it into the yard. Or you discard your Greasefang. I mean, you've got can't stay away. Like, sure, it can get your this grease is, fang. This but is ass. No, you can't convince me. I don't think it's great, but honestly, I think I think Martyr Grease Fang might play this. Like, it would shock me if they played why, this. Why? Why would you? Martyr Grease Fang has better cards. Martyr Grease Fang uh, is. I think Martyr Grease Fang is more efficient as that backup plan of a Rakdos mid-range kind of deck that plays like Blood Tough Harvester and stuff like that that generates blood tokens anyway. Yeah, and then maybe Fable. And then you just kind of like, while you're just nickel and diming them the entire way with like, you know, little things here and there, then all of a sudden you're like, bam, Perhelion, get fucked. Because they're trying to one for one you to just, you know, maintain the rate. I like, I like the having rate. a tutor for Perhelion. Yeah. But it's because not a guarantee. Because discard. you don't have Chariot to fall back on. So you don't have the amount of good vehicles you have is lower. That's what I kind of like about this card. But. Yeah, I do agree. You kind of I, I want to this, discard the Alien, and you often probably won't. So. This card should just say, search your library for an artifact card, reveal it, put it into the graveyard. That'd be very good. And then deal... deal <laughs> then, yeah, exactly. Give me a good card. All right, so the uh, rating is literally like 1 out of 10, 1 out of 10, 1 out of 10, reckless handling is like a 3. Perfect. <laughs> Moving on to the green... Animus Might. Holy shit. For a 50-card set, this card is, this set is a lot of cards when you're reading them. <laughs> a three-mana sorcery. This spell costs two less to cast. If it targets a legendary creature, you control. So it could be one mana. Wow. Target creature you control deals damage equal to twice its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. All right, that's what you do, Alex, okay? We're playing, we're playing Golgari Vampires, okay? No. No, no, no. Hold You're on. just thinking We're of playing... Soren, of Galta, and Maverin, so you could deal 20 yeah, yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then, <laughs> then, then, this, then this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. We, we, we broke it. That's amazing. That's all I, I do got think this you. card's okay. That is it. Um, I think it's a cool Yeah, if you're playing a if Legends you're... Matters kind of deck. Yeah, like it's a cool like follow up to Mox Amber, right? Like you play some legendary creature. If it's green, Mox yeah. Amber, tap for green, kill something. Like, pretty cool. Though I do think at this point, if you're playing a Legends deck, you're probably in black. Because there's a lot of good legends in black. You're in black or in white. So you've got mm -hmm. removal. So I don't think you really need this. Uh, Alchemist Might gets a 3 out of 10 when it's 3 mana. A 4 out of 10 when it's 1 mana. <laughs> Perfect. Leyline Immersion. A 4 mana. 
three and a green enchantment aura enchant legendary creature enchanted creature has ward two and then you can tap it add five mana in any combination of colors and spend this mana only to cast spells so you can't use it for abilities you can't use it for like you know like let's say you want to do like some uh uh what's the bullshit white card that we shit on earlier that one whatever uh or um golos we can't you can't do that stuff you can only cast stuff with it but now this is technically ramp right just play so on turn four fair but on turn four if you play this on a uh like how many legendary creatures are oh no okay okay turn three you cast ronus right turn four you play this on top of ronus now your ronus also has ward two which is pretty powerful and then you can tap your ronus add five mana of of, of any kind of colors and you can play like a cavalier of thorns or another big five drop or like a nissu shakes the world something like that and all on the same turn um so i think that's cool i don't know how good it is though it has Probably to enchant the legendary great. and that makes it like unplayable i think yeah, Rona's the only one I can really think of. If this green. just said Enchant Creature, I think it would honestly be a pretty strong card. Um, yeah. But it says Enchant Legendary, which makes it borderline unplayable. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I think I'm going to cool. give it a 1. Never All right, well, Nissa Resurgent Animist. A 3-mana, three 3-3, three, three, 2 and a green for a legendary creature, Elf Scout. It's our first Planeswalker without their spark. Let's go! And she has Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield underneath your control, add 1 mana of any color. So it's a Lotus Cobra. Then, if this is the second time this ability is resolved this turn, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an Elf or an Elemental card. Put that card into your, uh, into your hand and the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. A random order. Might as well just say Elemental. Because what elf's deck is going to play this? It's a little too expensive. Um, also, an elf deck usually doesn't do too much in terms of like extra no. landfall triggers and stuff. Um, and if you build it in that way, you're not really playing an elf deck anymore. So, but I think this, I think this is really cool in elementals though, with like Risen Reef and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think this is fine in elementals actually. Uh, you already want to play like Lotus Cobra and stuff. Now, this is a three mana Lotus Cobra. Um, I don't know. I would try it. I I would I would give it a good old try. But like, like if this grabs you an Omnath or something, or like another Risen Reef, or like I mean, you know, the like cool a, thing is because it is an Elf, but uh, so you you can find other Nissas, which is a bit convenient. I was thinking, can you build this in a way? Okay, in EDH, you could build this in a way where you only put one elemental in your deck and no elves and no other elementals, and then it's a tutor. But other than that, I think it's... It can be value, but I feel like elementals never really struggles with value. It struggles with getting their shit killed. And yeah. This doesn't do well, are there any elementals that just essentially end the game when you play them? No. Not that I know. Now, now hold on. Now, Alex. It doesn't work anymore. As this being your commander, but you could play Yargle and Multani and some fling shenanigans, and this is just in your deck as the only other, you know, elemental, and there's your combo. Kind of. So you can now put the six mana card in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, look, it's the card. Open the way. Very right, cute. I'll read it out this time. X green green. Sorcery. X can't be greater than the number of players in the game, because this being a commander set wasn't obvious enough yet. 
Reveal mm-hmm. cards from the top of your library until you reveal X land cards. Put those lands onto the battlefield tapped and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Fucking banger in EDH. But it's explosive vegetation, kind of. Eh. It hits lands, not just basics. So if you play this in like an Eldrazi ramp deck, you can randomly flip over your... um, What's it? Uh, Temple of the False Gods? Yeah. And I think there's a card from <clears throat> Midnight Hunt that is four mana. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put two lands on the battlefield. Uh, rest goes into your graveyard. So there's now maybe a ramp deck there, but I don't really see it. The age though, six mana, four lands, banger. This gets one EDH card out of ten. It gets uh, tranquil zero out of ten. Yeah, Tranquil Frillback. Frill, Frill uh, this art is uh, wild. Um, a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three dinosaur for a 2 and a, uh, two and a green. When Tranquil Frillback enters the battlefield, you may pay uh, green up to 3 times. When you do, or pay this cost one or more times, just uh, choose up to that many. So you can destroy target artifact or enchantment, exile target player's graveyard, you gain 4 life. Um, so if you do this 3 times... That's pretty cool. If so, it, it could be a four mana uh, reclamation sage. It can be a four mana. Uh, what? Uh, what's what's another card that just hits the entire grave on entry? Uh, there's there's a creature. Blood mage? Yeah, there's that. That one does it for free at three mana. Yeah. Um, and then you can gain four life, Night of which is does, does this for free. The life gain on Night of Autumn is for free. But you could potentially get this numerous times. I guess it's fine. I yeah. just I think it's a little too expensive. I think. Do you think if it was a two mana um, two two, it'd just be too good because it just it's on rate for everything else. Yeah, in that uh, then... in that way, it would be like on rate for Night of Autumn and Reclamation Sage, and like, this would so just it... be straight up power creep at that point. I feel like yeah, like in that way, Enigmatic Fires runs Night of Autumn. And sometimes Callous Blood Mage, and this would kind of be like both cards in the same slot mm. in that way. Not really for Enigmatic specifically, because you'd have to actually pay the mana, and Enigmatic cheats the mana. Oh, and it would be a two-drop secret. But anyway, you get the idea, right? It, it combines multiple cards in one. I don't think it'd be, like, busted, but it would definitely be, like, a lot stronger. Uh, the reason I can see this card being okay is if you can make use of the dinosaur tech. So yeah. if we go to Ixalan and we get some cool dinosaur stuff... We already have pretty powerful dinosaurs from Ixalan. It's just not enough I think, because we've I only th- been. To I Ixalan think with once. Rampaging Raptor, we're 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 almost there. Yeah, like we're I getting really do. to a good like Gruul or Junt dinosaurs deck. And if this is cool that you could run like an on tribe um, piece of hate, so you don't have to resort to like a Reclamation Sage outside of an Elf deck, right? That's what I like about this. And this feels more main deckable because a three mana three three is playable in an aggressive deck. Where Reclamation Sage is a three mana two one, which feels fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we have Undercity Upheaval, which is a three mana one double green for a sorcery with Undergrowth. We're getting all the fucking keywords, which yeah. I, I actually do appreciate in a set like this. I think that's if I can pick something out of the set that I do like because of the way the nature of the set is, being a smaller set, and it's just like you know tying up loose ends and kind of visiting every single plane that's been affected by this entire March of the Machine bullshit. Um, then I do appreciate them saying, like, here's all the keywords, you know, 
plopped in from all these planes. Yeah, I it, like that a lot. I yeah, think that's it, great. It does what I liked with Horizon sets too. As much as in general I hate their concept, the idea that they're like, oh, we have one cool idea for a madness card, right? So we're uh-huh. just going to put it in and we don't have to wait for madness to come back. Yeah, right? so that's I, I, I think like. in, that, in that sense, this type of set has a lot of potential. Um, I think, I, I do think, Alex, if this set came out... And we didn't have the whole Pinkerton thing and all that yeah. shit, right? If this set came out maybe a couple months later after the you know, March Machine, I think I would be much more open to receiving this in a more positive way. Yeah, if this would have come out in like July and it was not such a commander-focused set because that just feels like, man, we got so many fucking commander products. Like mm. This could have been a really cool constructed set and it doesn't feel like a constructed set. But if they did it that way and it came out in July, I'd have probably been like, do one of these every year, right? Yeah, As I like think a cool I, refresh heading into the summer, do this every year. But the way I think it's done I like, like this, that now, I don't want it. True. But I, I don't want them to um, be discouraged. I, I want them to take any you know criticism they've received from the set um, like in stride. And I, I hope they do this kind of set again. I think that's my biggest takeaway. I want them to do the set again in another way that just like fine tune the small things. I don't mind there being a, like if half the cards are commander cards, I don't mind that. I just wish that it wasn't so heavy handed in the approach of it where I want, I like, I like where even in standard sets now, where even we joke and say, this is a commander card. You can still find the ways to be like, you can do this constructed. We're looking at open the way, for example, it's so obviously a commander card that like it's too on the nose. Like this could be, you know, worded in a way that is cracked in commander but still has some functionality and constructed right yeah so like it's just those tiny subtle things yeah it's more of like i don't even think open away itself is such an egregious card but it just it it piles on where it's full of legendary creatures so many cards are like all these like flashy legendaries that are like five mana um or have like one million mana sinks like tasri and i'm like these are just commander cards and then you read open the way gate and you're like yeah open the way and then you're like yeah okay yeah <laughs> i get it but but i hope they do something like this in the future but anyway upheaval again a three mana uh one double green sorcery with undergrowth distribute x plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control where x is number of creature cards in your graveyard as long as you cast this or as you cast the spell which I think is really nice because as you cast the spell, which means your opponent can't respond yeah, can with a graveyard hate. Empty your yard in response, which is cool. Yeah, that's really nice, uh, especially because of that sorcery speed. So that's a nice way to like you know, counteract that. Uh, creatures you control gain vigilance on a turn. I think this is actually really, really solid. Yeah, um, this is cool. Uh, like this, this would be cracked and fucking limited. I know that. Yeah, there's an elf from... Ravnica. It's a four mana like one one. I think it's a four mana two two with haste, and it literally just has this effect, right? But for itself, mm-hmm. I've played against that card. Someone being like four mana, get a fifteen fifteen with haste, attack you, right? That has happened to me before. <laughs> so, well, the, and the, the, yeah, the Golgari, the, the Golgari Raiders, Raiders or something, it's called. Yeah, it's um, a four mana zero zero. Yeah, and imagine running that and running this and just milling yourself for some sort yeah. of purpose and like your backup game plan is just i'm gonna beat the shit out of you with this random dork right when you're tapped out so i think yeah it's, i don't know and if this, this card is actually play but i do like it this card is sweet 
right? This it's is appropriately a, a, costed too. It's not overcosted. Yeah, it's not broken. Like, it, it, I like you it. You know, this and Golgari Raiders and then Self Mill just makes for a really cool FNM deck, right? Where you're just yeah. gonna put some bunch of hasters and other aggressive crap in here and some green creature with trample and you're gonna make it a 30 30 and you're gonna one shot your opponent cool i like it a lot also these these are all the yeah cool um i give this is 10 out of 10 for just card design yeah it's i awesome. don't care about playable does uh okay we're into the multi-card shit which is the bulk of the set uh, so we first have Calyx, Guided by Fate. Now, some of these I haven't really seen. I, I watched the leaked stuff when the guy was opening them, and I paused on some of the cards to look, look at them. I didn't do it on all of them. This is one I haven't really looked at. So Calyx, Guided by Fate, a 3-mana 2-2, two, two, 1, a green, and a white for a legendary enchantment creature, Human Druid. With Constellation, whenever Calyx, Guided by Fate, uh, or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature. Whenever Calyx or an enchanted creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may create a token that's a copy of a non-legendary enchantment you control. Do this only once each turn. So it gets counters, or gives counters to things when you play enchantments, which is what you want to do. And then just make copies of enchantments. I think this, And for three mana, I think that's fine in this. Yeah, it's just... You can put some counters on when he enters, so he's like a 3-3, but whenever he or an enchanted creature deals damage to a player, so you're thinking auras, but auras are cheap, so you also don't really care about, you know, like copying them. Though copying an ethereal armor is obviously sweet, but Bogle's decks have stupidly low curves, so I wouldn't want to put in a 3-3. Yeah, but maybe this can be just like a, an enchantress type of card, right? Yeah, maybe, right? Like, he counts himself, at least when he attacks. Uh, he is an enchantment. Maybe in, like, the weirdest, grindiest, enigmatic matchup. Like, you get this out of your deck, and now you suddenly have this really threatening creature, because it's like, if you get to attack with this and connect, you just copy your enigmatic fires. Uh, you call yeah, not fire. That's the same deck. You, you copy your enigmatic incarnation, or you copy your yeah, yeah. line binding, or um, like something like that, and that can get really scary. So typical for like it's an enchantment creature. I could see this in enigmatic as like a bullet. And then we got Campus Renovation, a five mana Boros card, so three in Boros. Sorcery, return up to one target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Exile the top two cards of your library until at the end of turn. You may, uh, any of your next turn, you may play those cards. Uh, I mean, it's refurbished for one extra mana that basically draws you two cards to play for the next turn, um, which could be relevant in a deck that wants to play this. But the problem is it's in Boros, where a typical refurbished deck that's trying to do like Godfro's gift shit is usually in blue. Um, I don't know if you want to go Jeskai with this. Um, if that's worth it. I think just Azorius is fine enough. So, I mean, that's cool. I just yeah, well, this can get enchantments and refurbishes, I think, is only artifacts. So, this yeah. is... Uh, it's definitely better than the dinosaur. That's for sure. But, um, other than that, this is this is fine. I, nothing too special. Kind of feels like a limited filler. <laughs> Ooh, this art. Ooh. Cosmic Rebirth. 
a three mana, uh, Selesnya, one and one green white for an instant. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard. If it has mana value three or less, you may put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put it onto the battlefield, you put it into your hand, you gain three life. This is actually just fine. Three mana, reanimate a three drop or less, or just at instant speed, get a card back at the end of your opponent's turn to play it on the next turn and you gain three life. Yeah, or if you're really late in the game, just in your turn, grab something, play it immediately. Uh, yeah. I have a hard time thinking where on earth you play this, but I do think the it's colors are a weird. pretty good card. Right there's yeah. especially because it grabs a permanent, you can grab you can grab a Narset or you can grab a temporary lockdown that your opponent just blew up or like so probably some band shell because it is an Ooh, instant. I actually so. like this in like the mono white bookshell, which already plays a fucking shitload of three costs and less. Especially like the way I build it in playing the um the Elspeth from Nukabena that minus mm-hmm. three to get three drops and stuff. If they hit your book or whatever, now that book does get ex- exiles itself if you try to do the combo and you miss it on that. Um, but this also can get back a mutable if they fatal push it, right? Um, to get that back on the battlefield at the very least, and then you can play book and do your bullshit. Um, and, or you can just out- get back your, you know, any of your fucking two drops and three drops in the deck, uh, your Archon of Amerius, things like that. I-, I-, I think this is cool. I'd try it. Yeah, I think this is pretty sweet. Uh, sweet card. I get yeah, shell is difficult, but yeah, if you find the right shell, I think it's a very powerful card. Denitha, new Benalia's light, another three mana uh, Selesnya card, so one and then Selesnya colors. Legendary creature, human knight, vigilance, trample, and lifelink for a two-two. Once during each of your turns, you may cast an aura or equipment spell from your graveyard. I wish this had a different text because I I like this idea of like being in a night deck. Um, I just wish it didn't focus on artifacts or auras or equipments and auras. I should say. So, yeah. Yeah. It, that it was feels, disappointing. It feels to me in a similar way. Like I probably put this in a Bogle stack before Calyx. That's for sure. Um, but in a similar fashion, uh, for the sake of Pioneer. I don't think if you play Bogles, you're maxed out on SRAM and Light Pulls, and I would max out on SRAM and Light Pulls before playing this card. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that sake... Yeah. In Standard, there might be some Aura deck there. I think there's already an Enchantment deck in Standard, so it could be cool there. At the beginning of your... Oh, okay, so Feast of Victorious Deed, or Dead. Dead. It actually could be either. Dead. Uh, so two mana, uh, off. so a white and a black for Enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, if one or more creatures died this turn, you gain that much life and distribute that many plus plus encounters among creatures you control. Uh, this feels like a very cool grindy card. I just don't know how applicable it is to the way Pioneer functions it's right now. It's your end step. That's what I don't know. Yeah. Mind. And your opponent, and it, because your opponent knows about it, it's not like an instant spell that like you can say, I gotcha. Yeah, it's exactly. like they can play around it. So your opponent will start playing their removal at sorcery speed if they have to. Um... Yeah, no, nothing. This say. this card reminds me of a bad version of um, what's it called from this in Selesnya, uh, Voice Resurgence. Oh yeah, if your opponent does shit in your turn, they get punished for it. Yeah, but at least Voice is like a you know a genuine threat that they kind of have to get rid of. Where this is just like, it's just way the the way you can play around it is way more you know non uh, a non issue. Uh, Goldforge Thopteryx, that's a cool name. A dinosaur Thopter, by the way. A 1-3 for uh, a white and a blue with flying a lifelink. 
Each legendary permanent you control has ward of two. Dude, oh my god. I would play this in Kethis. This is cool. It it is it's an historic spell because it's an artifact. True. Yeah, this card's pretty sweet. I like the uh giving some protection to your legends. It's nice. One three flying lifelink is like a decent defensive body. Now I don't think currently that's too relevant because people aren't attacking you with Phoenix chicks, they're attacking you with five five Adelines, right? Yeah. So a one three blocker in that way isn't very relevant. Um but in a le I kinda wish this was a legend. So it would give itself ward. And it would be a legendary payoff. Like it feels like another legendary payoff, but what we need is cheaper legendaries, not payoffs for playing them. We have those. I agree. Very cool card though. Yeah. Super sweet. Right, we're almost done. We got a couple more slides after this. This is the one you want to talk about. The um the when we were talking about Orzov Humans. So I'll yeah, let you read this. This card's one. this card's dope. Uh Jurina Dauntless General is white and a black for a 2-2. Let me just sit up. For a human soldier. Soldier. Um, when she enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard and then sacrifice Jurina. Humans you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Um, humans has occasionally played Selfless Spirit. This is just much better. And mm -hmm. the tagged on graveyard hate is pretty sweet. Um... So yeah, I just think this is a good human. It's a 2-2. It can protect yourself from wraths, uh, benefits of your tribal synergies, and graveyard hate, which is pretty relevant to Pioneer at the moment. So Yeah, it, this is basically a better version of the uh the the general um from uh Ikoria. The one yeah, that, like... that that protects all your legendaries and this in a way can protect all your humans, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. You can play both. If you play that general's enforcer, then Jirina has this. indestructible, so she can. Be but then, like, but then you can just play Donald's bodyguard. Like, like, let's say on turn three, yeah, you true. go this, and then bodyguard protecting this. Yeah, that um, works too. So you don't need to play the enforcer. Yeah, uh, Joriel, voice of Zalfir, a four mana human druid, two a green and a blue for a three three. It's a legendary creature, by the way, because I think all of the cards. Yeah, all of these multicolor cards legendaries. are legendaries. So let's just get out. That's, that's out of the way now. Everything's a legendary. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes a XX green and blue bird creature with flying and haste until the end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. It's still a land. Whenever a land creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, kind of cool with, like, you know, Risen Reef, because Risen Reef ramps you and then can draw you cards if it's not a land. Yeah, it, but this um, doesn't even untap the land, right? No, it doesn't. So this comes down on, like, turn five and then gives you, like, an XX and then draws you a card. Which the XX might just be a 2-2 two, two or 3-3 three, three yeah. based on turn five. And also really it's an ramping. animated land, so it could be pushed, it could be stomped. Like, And it sucks she's not an elemental um, in any way to, like, proc, like, your elemental stuff that wants to, like, do these crazy things. Um so yeah, this is absolutely a, a, a commander card. Yeah. Kendra's Royal Funeral. We talked about this one before. I'll reread it real quick. A four mana legendary enchantment in Orzov. So two, then Orzov colors. When it enters the battlefield, exile up to two target legendary creature cards from your graveyard. Draw X cards and lose X life, where X is the greatest mana value among cards exiled this way. And legendary spells you cast cost one less to cast. For each card, 
exiled with the Kenris Royal Funeral. A lot of hoops to jump through. For some Probably some combo roll. stuff. Legendary payoff, right? Like, yeah, just I don't know if that that's hard to find a deck for now that we don't have Kevis, you know. Right. I'll do the next one. It's Kiora, Sovereign of the Deep. Uh, three green and a blue for a 4-5. She's so great. Look at her. Um, legendary creature, Merfolk Noble, Vigilance, Ward 3. This is some words. When you cast a Kraken, Leviathan, oh, Octopus, fuck off. or this Serpent spell This is the most commander hand, card there is. Yep. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is that spell's mana value. You may cast a spell with mana value X from among them without paying its mana cost to put the rest of it. It's, it's Sunbird's invocation for Leviathans and stuff. This card is a commander card. It's trash. I, but, well, let's say, I'll, I'll, I will say, though, out of the commander decks I have played and built, um, one of my favorites, which you played against, was with the Ace, was the AC deck. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I love this. I would love to play this deck. This seems so much fun. I love Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, and Serpents. There I is, love the cards that do that shit. What is kind of cool with Kiora, the one thing I want to point out, we have Telerian Terror and Cryptic Serpent. I think Cryptic Serpent does become a two-drop. But they both have instant and sorcery synergy, so it's a bit awkward in this deck. But they are really cheap cards to play. So like mm-hmm. Telerian Terror, you could pay for one blue, but it is a seven mana spell. So you could do some cheesy nonsense with Kiora, but that's it. Uh, next we have Nahiri Forge and Fury. Her hands are perfectly, you know, back perfectly to normal. Fine. Holy shit, she's expensive. Um, but there's a reason for that. She is a six mana legendary creature core artificer, a five four, four, and then Boros. She has affinity for equipment. And whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play the card this turn. You may cast equipment spells this way without paying their mana costs. So I don't think we can get enough equipment down in Pioneer to make her cheap enough to make it worth it for the most part. No, we've got and some by, stuff. It, we've got Rabbit Battery. You've got like that Oni helmet. We've got the barbed blade fists or something you know the four mirrodin mm. equipment the two of mana. course we got hammer so you get a three stuff. one yeah but i'm more thinking of like equipment creatures and stuff to like make this going in like an aggressive oh, okay deck. Yeah, yeah yeah but that just that's just a standard deck like yeah. that's just not a not a pioneer deck this could have been a really cool card like i see affinity for equipment and i'm like you have my attention the card is pretty cool and i can imagine in a few years this could be good but currently it, the only support for it basically is in standard or all the way back in Mirrodin, which is not Pioneer legal. So, like, it's uh, in this awkward spot for Pioneer where it the only support it has is from standard. So, that means it's probably not good enough. Speaking of another cool card that may not just be good enough, Nahiri's Resolve, a five mana enchantment, three and then Boros colors. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and have haste. At the beginning of your end step, exile any number of non-token artifacts and or creatures you control. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of your next end step. I think cool it's cool. Roll, bro. But like... like it, it dodges rafts, which is cool, right? Your creatures have haste, they hit a little bit harder, and at the end of every turn, you just pick up your board and you're like, yeah, good luck with your Supreme Verdict. The problem is this is yeah. a five mana card and Supreme Verdict is a four mana card. So you've already lost your board. So <laughs> that's why I don't think this works. Right? Would this have been like honestly like a, a three mana card that just allows you to pick up your board every turn would probably be really good. 
but at five yeah. mana, it just comes down too late. It'd just be a repeatable Teferi's Protection, essentially. In a way, yeah. Which I think would be pretty sweet. All right, now we got Narset. We're almost to, we're almost to the card that I like the most. Uh, Narset in Lighted Exile, a five, no, four mana, can't count. One, and then Jeskai Colors. Legendary Creature, Human Monk for a three, four. Creatures you control have Prowess. That's a very powerful effect. Narset, uh, whenever she attacks, exile a target non-creature card, or non-creature non-land card with mana value less than Narset's power from a graveyard, and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying his mana cost. Okay, I could see a world where this this is an actual deck that could be fairly okay. Like, I don't know how you would build it. Uh, maybe just, like, hasty stuff, but a lot of the hasty stuff you'd want to put in this deck already has prowess. So, like, what are some cards that have haste but don't have prowess that you really want to make use of, right? I, and I then you want... I don't think it's, of haste. sorceries. I'm thinking of, like, running this in, like, eight Pyromancer. Oh, and with all the tokens. If, if you want the top end, you already have your tokens out, and you go, like, Narset Opt Treasure Cruise. And now yeah. your whole board has plus two, plus two, and, like, that's how you try and, like, win the game. That, that's, no, that's fair. Where I could see it, if Narset's left alone, this card's kind of cracked. Right, you could very easily start cantripping. Um, you draw, you cast one spell. This is a four drop. You can now cast Meeting of Minds, right, which is a two, which draws you two cards. Mm. So, like, you could do a lot of um, this by itself immediately triggers off one mind if you're still running that in that shell. Um, so, in that way, I think it's pretty cool, but I don't, I don't think it's great. Four mana is just too much. We got Nashi Moon's Legacy. Our first card would just straight up color cost. A uh, black, green, and a blue for Sultai. A 3-4 legendary creature, Rat Shaman, with Menace and Ward of One. Whenever Moon's Legacy attacks, exile up to one target legendary or rat card from your graveyard and copy it. You may cut. There's a lot of that shit in this set. There's a lot of attack, yeah. exile card, and then just do a thing with a copy. Calyx uh, does that. Narset does this. Nashi does it. I'm sure there's another one I missed, or I'm not thinking of at the moment. Um, I don't... Uh, what what rat deck we doing? I mean, I'm just, this is just for legendaries, right? With rats, it's funny. It's a, it's a three-color rat tribal commander, so hooray for that, because I think so far they've all been mono-black. Um, another cool Kethis card if we had it. <laughs> but, like, yeah, this is just... It's a three-drop that when it attacks, you get some value. Cool, yeah. right? You're, you're never playing this. It's 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 a pipe dream. You can Coco into it if there's like some Coco Legend shell, maybe. Niv Mizzet Supreme. Oh, I want to see the altars of this with the fucking Supreme logo all over it. <laughs> He's wearing the hat and shit. Um, he is a Wooberg card as a five five as every Niv Mizzet is. Is Wooberg five five Dragon Avatar? Well, at least every Niv Mizzet since Reborn yeah. or whatever. Flying Hexproof from Monocolored. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard that's exactly two colors has jumpstart. Dude, I, I love jumpstart as a mechanic. I, I want them yeah. to bring it back. Yeah, I think this is a really sweet card. Um, I feel like it just kind of has the same problem as Niv Mizzet Reborn, which is why people have been starting playing that deck just with Omnath, the Bring to Light deck. Uh -huh. Is that most two color cards are bad. Like, yeah. you just you don't want to play Tyrant Scorn and. Justice Strike and Thought Erasure, right? You just want to be on Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Leyline Binding, Portable Hole, those type of cards. And because of that, 
I just feel like this card is bad because it forces you to play bad cards. But if there are good two-color cards to play with this, it is strong, I guess. But, man, I'd rather Another just play Mythmizzet Reborn and draw four cards immediately. All right, Alex, here he is. Take this is away. the card that I think is the best card in the set. Obnixilis, Captive Kingpin, four mana for a 4-3 legendary creature, Demon, and Rakdos, so two, black, and a red, with Flample. Whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a plus one plus one counter on Obnixilis, Captive Kingpin, exile the top card of your library. Until your next end step, you may play that card. Okay, Alex, as a, as a big fan of Rakdos, Sack, and Pioneer, the biggest problem that Rakdos, Sack has had is that its top end is always a little awkward, You've seen people try to play Shouldered in the deck, which I think is perfectly fine because uh, it's a good card. So it makes sense. You just play it, whatever. Um, the problem is once you go past the four drop slot, like you could play like E. Merstum Predator or whatever, that Rakdos Vampire Dragon. That's kind of works in the deck. It's not very good though. Um, and then you get to the five mana stuff of like the shoulder that sacks a thing. There's the, there's the, uh, Phyrexian that like has like, uh, the, like the reanimation from the graveyard. There's the, um, there's the, El- the, 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 the bone dragon thing, right? The one yeah, from, yeah, yeah. uh, D and D like, there's all oh, these yeah, cards that seem yeah. really cool. Yeah. There's all these cards that seem really cool with like sack and that synergy and it's there on paper, but in practice, the five mana is just too much where the four mana cards just either, are just a good card and shielded, but no synergies with your deck. So it's not the best place for shielded or it's things that have synergies, but aren't good enough. This is a card that has the best of both worlds. It's finally a card in that four mana slot. It has the perfect synergies with Rakdos Sacrifice and is great for your curve. And the fact that it just says whenever one opponent loses uh, exactly one life, that's incredible. Because what cards that are the mainstays of Rakdos Sacrifice deal one damage or make them lose one life one thing at a time for each trigger? It's Cat for Cat Oven and Mayhem Devil. They will and always you could just proc attack this your card. opponent for one. With a cast exactly. or some token or... Only Killed Anvil works with this too. Yeah, if you want to go into that, that build. And yeah, this, this card is great. This goes infinite with All Will Be One. Yeah, that that's that's the... Uh, We'll see that five mana odds, enchantment. I'm sure because you put yeah. one counter on Obnixilis, which means you get to deal exactly one damage. Which put one counter on Obnixilis, and you get to deal exactly one damage. So that is in. Which actually, this curves perfectly for that combo. Which is yeah, really cool. but I don't think you'd run that. But <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it does no, 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 no. That would be its own deck yeah. entirely. Well, to be but, honest, yeah, you'd th- probably want to run Cat Oven in there too to trigger Obnixilis immediately. Fair. So, so yeah, I, I think this is really amazing for the deck. Oh, um, Brad, that's also I, really funny with Metook Massacre. Oh, that's that's true, if you're playing that in the, in the, the, so the deck a, out of the board. There's a billion ways to trigger this card. This this is yeah. going to attack as, like, a 9-8. And, the, the, and, like, of course, you can be like, well, Brad, it's, you know, it's a 4-3, you can die to Lightning Strike and stuff like that. Well, I, I'm pretty pretty confident that if you're playing this card you have a mayhem devil on board or you have something on board to like like a cat oven to start triggering it to where they target it and that kind of thing and on top of that i don't give a shit if they're trying to kill this thing because look sack already has a you know big target on their back number one card your opponent has to kill a mayhem devil and now you're introducing a finisher on top of that so that synergizes with mayhem devil yeah, they, they also, also just, just need to kill around it really easily right if you have cat yeah. out you play ob you attack with the cat 
the cat does exactly one damage. So if they let it connect, you've already put the counter on. So they're probably, maybe then, they're like, well, before you go to combat, put it on. Well, now I'm just going to sack the cat to the oven. Yeah. So getting Obnixilus to four toughness is really easy. And if you have a Mayhem Devil on field with the cat oven, then that's one oh, trigger, yeah. one thing, one trigger, They're going to have to thing. throw like three lightning strikes at it to kill it. Yeah, and then they need to do like Fatal Push stuff or just like hard removal. And if they're using the removal on this guy, then they're not using it on their Mayhem Devil. So that just gets out of control in its own way. Absolutely insane of a card. Yeah, perhaps I really think this is great. I, I, I do think it's the best card in the set. For for Pioneer. Yeah. Like, not in a vacuum. All right, so we got Pia Nalar, Console of Revival, a two-mana Boros card for a legendary human artificer. That's a 2-3. Thopters you control of haste, and whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. Alex, am I missing something? Is there a card that cares about Thopters that does exile shenanigans? No, but I mean, you just play this. Uh, almost all reds card advantage nowadays is XL cards from the top. You can play them for a bit. That's fair. So That's fair. it just goes in a deck that already does that. And then every time you cast a spell from exile, you get a 1-1. One, one, and that 1-1 one, one has haste. So I, it feels like the problem is that you just get a bit of gravy on top of your cards that are already good. You're light up the stage. You're... Chandra Dress to Kill, your Chandra Torch of Defiance. But it's not even that much gravy. Like, you get a 1-1 occasionally. And other than that, this is a 2-mana 2-3. In an aggressive deck. I wouldn't play this. Rebuild the city. (laughs) Rebuild the city with rock and roll. Alright, so we got a 6-mana Jun card. 3 and then Jun colors. Sorcery. It's a rare card, by the way. Choose target land, create three tokens that are copies of it, except they're three, three creatures in addition to their other types, and they have Vigilance and Menace. Uh, is this just insane in Commander, by the way? With um, a lot of different lands? I mean, you can copy a land three times, which is... Like a Gaia's it, Cradle? Yeah, but they are affected by Summoning Sickness, so you've got a bit of a target on your head. But yeah, it is mm. fucking hilarious to copy your Cabal Coffer three times. Yeah. Like... Uh, Constructed, yeah. this is ass. It's just too expensive. But oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a we don't have we don't have any lands that can effectively end the game by doing this at the moment. No, I've, like in modern, this is funny with Valakut. Yeah, but, like if you have your Dryad of the Elysium Grove out and you cast this on a Valakut, your opponent takes like ninety five damage. But in Pioneer, we've got nothing, which is so sad. All right, Alex. Last thing, and it's only five more cards, and we are done. Oh, there's actually two additional cards, but we could talk about them really quick. But I'll talk what about this one real quick because we can effectively skip Rocco. You've missed Karn in the land. Um, oh, Rocco Street Chef. Uh, unplayable. It is uh, a 2-4 Elf Druid for Naya colors. At the beginning of your end step, each player exiles the top card of their library until your next step. Each player may play the cards. You're giving your opponent cards. Whenever a player plays a land from exile or casts a spell from exile, put a 1-1 counter on target creature and you create a food token. It's not even like a fun commander. It's just a stupid card. <laughs> Moving on. So sad. All right. First Rocco was very good. First Rocco is a CDH staple. This Rocco is awful. Um, I'll pick up again. Samut. This one's actually pretty cool. Vizier of Naktamun. Uh, one red green for a human warrior cleric. A 2-3 with first strike, vigilance, and haste. Pretty good keyword soup. 
Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, if that creature entered the battlefield this turn, draw a card. Uh, haste is already good, so you just play this with all your haste creatures and start punching the shit out of your opponent, and you draw cards. You've got your rapid batteries, you've got your gruel spellbreaker, your questing beasts, your uh, fanatical firebrands, like your like you know you name it, you've got it. Um, and it triggers for each individual creature, so that's pretty powerful too. Uh, there are some cards like that just uh, I think it's like heroic intervention like you make no not heroic intervention is it like something reinforcements you make two one ones and all your creatures gain haste well both of those would trigger Samut so some gruel aggressive deck she'd go pretty well in good board wipe recovery um, I don't really see her in pioneer to be honest because just the quality of cards in gruel is very good because we have like 95 variations of gruel boats, and that's just because there's so many good gruel cards. So I don't really think people will play Samut, but she is a powerful card. Yeah, I think she's really cool. I like I like pretty much every rendition of Samut, uh, to be honest. Yeah, just a cool character too. I like Samut. She kind of reminds me of Gruel Spellbreaker in a way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, then next we got Sarkan Soul of Flame, a three mana legendary creature, human shaman. It's an Isakard. It's a 2-4. So one blue and a red. Dragon spells you cost or cast cost one less to cast. And whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Sarkin become a copy of it until end of turn. Except its name is Sarkin. It's a legendary edition of those types. So Alex, we were talking about last set in the top 10 of cards that like, you know, are like decks that are kind of close. And I was saying dragons are with my honorable mention and stuff like that. Uh... I think this Sargon is really good in a dragon deck because it gets around, like, it lets you play dragons that are, I know, I know, but dragons are not that good in general, but this helps you get around, like, dragons that don't have haste. Um, like, the treasure-making dragon, right? Doesn't have haste, right? Or does it? Which one? The one from Kaldheim? Uh, that Nova. makes treasures? Oh, no, that one has haste, Goldspan Dragon. Oh, it does. Fuck. I mean, this what? curves well with Goldspan Dragon and Glorybringer. You're oh, talking yeah. about Old Nullbone, but that's like a seven drop. Yeah, um, well... I but mean, this is there, curves are there dragons that don't Goldspan have dragon. haste? Um, quite a few. Um, especially, uh, what's it? The, the Thunderbreak Regent doesn't have haste. That's true. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty good dragon. I thought there were more. But, I mean, a lot of dragons do have haste. But, hey, then you can just double attack, right? Sarkin yeah. into Glorybringer into Exert both is your opponent no longer has a board. Right, and this gets around the legend rule, like with things like Goldspan Dragon, because its its name is Sarkin instead of Goldspan Dragon, so they don't legend rule each other. Uh, Goldspan Dragon isn't a legendary, but it would work. Well, with, yeah. um, with legendary dragons, so that feels like Goldspan do. should be a legendary. Yeah. Now that I <laughs> think about it, but if you play Sarkin and Goldspan and then Goldspan Dragon, and then you attack, you get two treasures, which each step for two. So, your Goldspan Dragon was a zero amount of cards, so that's pretty pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, next, we got Sigarda, Font of Blessings, a four mana, four, four legendary angel in Selesnya color. So, two, then Selesnya. Flying, other permits you control of Hexproof. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. And you may cast angel spells and human spells from the top of your library. Also, a type of thing we've seen like seven times this set casting a certain type of card from the top of your library or looking at the top card of your library. Except um, this one's actually good in, comparative, in comparison to the other ones. I mean, it's like, okay. It, it works better in those decks far more yeah it's um, it's fine you, you get to play humans off the top of your deck or angels probably humans this feels like it should be in humans but, but i don't know celestia humans is a coco deck 
Angels is a Coco deck. I wouldn't want to play this. Oh, Art's fucking phenomenal. But I love Sigarda. I have a soft spot for, for Sigarda as a character. I think she's really cool. Uh, Alright, Alex, tell me about uh, Tyvar. Is he good? Tyvar. He's not good. Um, he's a 5-4 for 2 black green. Legendary creature, elf warrior. Whenever one or more elves you control attack, they gain death touch. That's pretty okay. Uh, each creature you control has, whenever a mana ability of this creature resolves, put a number of 1-1 counters on it equal to the amount of mana this creature produced. This triggers only once each turn. I don't know, it just kind of looks like an, it does something with elves. Most elves have mana abilities, but mm -hmm. like he's a 4-mana 5-4, can't hit him off Coco, not spectacular enough not to run Coco. Um... Like, Again, this card works better with Commander because it's slower. There's less chance of like yeah. Losing this card all just has shit. like you know like it's not worth dropping Collected Company, and often and even if you wouldn't be running Collected Company, he's just not that special. So, not great. All right, I, I grabbed the last two cards. A Karn Legacy Reforged five mana, five colorless mana for a Star Star Legendary Artifact Creature Golem. Whenever, uh, sorry, Karn, Legacy, Reforged, Power, and Toughness are each equal to the greatest mana value among artifacts you control. And he's an artifact, so he's at least a 5-5. Five five. At the beginning of your upkeep, add colorless for each artifact you control. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Um, it's a 5-5 five five and you have to wait for your upkeep to get some restricted mana. Like, yeah, it doesn't even if seem this good like, in, like the beginning that, of like, combat or something. Deck. So he could be like zero mana if you had a bunch of artifacts out. That'd be cool. But you yeah. have to wait for your upkeep for restricted mana. EDH card. We got Draineth Ruins. It's our only land. So, Alex, is this a good card? I don't think it's good. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's good. Pretty okay. Uh, Draineth Ruined is 8 land that taps for colorless or 2 tap put 2 one, 1 counters on target non-human creature that entered the battlefield this turn if you play something like Golgari scales or maybe even mono green scales or something uh, most scales payoffs are non-humans so in that deck yeah. specifically I think in I think there's a version of this that says 1 tap and adds 1 counter but I think that's from, like, original Zendikar. So it's like Orin Reef or something. Uh, this is similar to that. I'm pretty sure that card saw play in modern scales. So I can see Draneth Ruin potentially seeing play in some skills shells in Pioneer. But other than that, it's not a standout card, but in, shell, uh, in scales it could work. So that's all the cards. We did it. All of them are done. So a bunch of sevens. Right, so the set yeah. is. I will say going into this, like my first glance, was like this set is garbage. Now going over it, the set is mid. There's a bunch of cool cards. I like the I like the vampire. I think Obnixilis is pretty good. Like there's a few interesting cards, but I'm not blown away by the set. And as we've already talked about, no, ad nauseum. Uh, there's a million things in the context of this set that they should have done better. It's got potential as like a product, and I hope they do try again. But do yeah, I do too. Well, let us know what you guys think. Let us know what you think about these cards in the set. Do you like this kind of set in general? Are you a fan of this? Or are you not a fan of this? And I, I do want to say, when you take your evaluation of this kind of set, 
you know, in your answer for that, if you do give it to us, whether it's through the Discord, Twitter, whatever, uh, which at Bradsver, at Alex Lockdwayne, because we didn't have time to run the ad this time. Um, try to separate the Pinkerton situation and shit from this set. I know it's hard not to in a lot of cases, and that I think that did leave a lot, bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because of this. But in general, as a magic set on its own in a vacuum, do you think they should keep doing this? Do you think there's something they can build upon and do better? Or do you think they should just scrap the idea altogether? Um, but otherwise, we, you guys are amazing. We love you. Alex, are you typing at me to read off the Patreon names? Is that what's going on? Oh, no, but that would be a good reminder. <laughs> All right. Well, let me do that real quick. So our Patreons, we love you and appreciate you. You guys are the best. And if you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the pioneer perspective. The link will be in the description as always. But for those who are able to support, we appreciate you. And those are Arno, Oinvind, Dwayne, Aaron, Will, Aaron, Patrick, Bridger, Sir Epic, Janet, and Alex's friend on Anchor. Kevin. Hooray. Also, um, I'll say it's Aaron R and Aaron uh, G. I don't want to just like read people's last names on air if they don't want that. I know they put in that information on Patreon, so technically they're like, you could say they're okay with it, but like, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that because there's two Aaron's. I want to differentiate between them and at least make them feel like they have their own special, unique shout outs in some way without feeling like they're getting doxxed. Which Aaron am I? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so again, we love you guys. We appreciate you. You mean the world to us. And we hope you listen to us uh, the next one. So bye bye. Bye bye, everyone. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do the thing. <laughs>